What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And are friends really friends if you don't know them? So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Civ Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Civ Pop Writer Joe. Hello. We were supposed to have Phil joining with us, uh, producer Phil, but uh, sickness uh, was brought down upon him. Uh, I don't know. But that was a weirdly weird, weirdly weird way to say that, but um household kind of got got a bug and uh so that, that's fine um you know stuff like that happens so we'll have fill out again sometime but um but at least for now it's um you know uh still joe and i you know the the normal that's good um so we are for sifpop.com we do movie reviews best ever challenges uh lots of uh, interesting movie related articles so you can make sure to check out the website sifpop.com to keep up with all that uh, on the show today on the proper um you know, episode podcast, we're going to talk about coming attraction. We got Fantastic Beasts and the Secrets of Dumbledore coming out. Um, at least in the States, I didn't know this, but apparently it's worldwide everywhere else. So, um, but it's coming out in the States this week. And uh, we'll give our thoughts on that. And uh, we'll go into the SIF topic. Uh, we'll talk about some comic book stuff. Um, we're going to do the Netflix Marvel shows that recently are now Disney Plus Marvel shows. Uh, and then uh, we'll explore the B-plot. We'll, uh, we'll, ask a, we'll answer a question that I came up with for this. And we'll wrap up with a spinoff. But first, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. Joe, um, I thought this would be a really interesting question. We talk a lot about our favorite movies, but what is a film that you think might be the best film ever made? Like, not necessarily your favorite, but one that you consider, like, a technical marvel. Like, one that you just look at and you're like, I don't think I would make a single change to that movie. It's funny, because those two things actually ended up coinciding anyways. Um, like, and favorite be and best for you? Favorite, Yeah, it's like one of my favorite movies, probably top ten movies. And also, like uh, like you explained, like a technical marvel, in my opinion. Probably mm-hmm. probably with a, largely with a lot of people. Um, 1979's Alien. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I don't know if there's anything I would really change about that movie. I can't think of anything on the top of my head. I think as far as the script goes, it's really brilliant. Uh, it doesn't have any type of like gender roles. It was literally written for any character to be slotted in those places. Um, yeah, Dan O'Bannon did an excellent job writing the script. Yeah, the perfect director, really Scott. Uh, and as far as like exploring further through those visuals, having Geiger do like creature creation and whatnot, um, only added to the mix. So like it was like this like perfect stew of like creative minds put together. Well, and it's also such an effective use of like shadows and lighting. Um, you know, the xenomorph blends into darkness, so there's there's frequently that kind of stuff. And whenever it does appear, which is pretty sparse, um, it's scary. <laughs> and uh, right, um, yeah, and it's uh, it's also one of those that like they they do really creative ways of showing deaths because they don't frequently show the desk, but you death, but you'll like stumble upon you know the remains or whatever um so like there's always there's like there's an extra added of like a mystery which lets your imagination feel yeah there's there's lots of stuff to love about alien um i think the two films the three really the three films that i i think are just outstanding and i don't know that there's a single thing i would change about them i think that they're just incredible um is uh the fir- the one i think of first is knives out because that movie is just like so intricately woven that it's it, it, it 
every single second of that movie winds up paying off at some point. Um, so I really like that's that's kind of my go to answer. But also like I think Arrival is also in that way where like Arrival really works um, like just incredibly well. And then also Blade Runner 2049. So two didn't noobs, but um, I, I can't think of a single thing I would change about either of those. I think perfect. Um, yeah, I don't like all three films that you mentioned. Like, I don't know if I'd change anything about those films. <clears throat> like especially right. like Arrival, like the way things are kind of unveiled slowly through Arrival and they're kind of like their passing of time and how they do things is really excellent. Um, like I said, Knives Out, like Knives Out especially is like, what? You, there's not there's not a wasted moment in that film. Like you said, everything pays off at a certain point. It's all perfectly executed. And it really um, rewards rewatches as well. Um, yeah, you start to pick up different things. You're like, oh, I never noticed that before. Like, Right, or it's like the little details really wind up adding to something. Or like, there's really fun tropes that Ryan Johnson uses, um, or like avenues that he uses, like 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 with the baseball. Like the baseball itself doesn't necessarily mean anything, but it follows the 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 subplot of the affair um, with uh, with two of the characters mm-hmm. because it's 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 a pivotal scene where the affair is revealed to the audience, and then just any time that the baseball is around, that's usually like at some point the baseball has to do with an affair um, at and at any given moment. So. Uh, like there's lots of fun stuff that that Ryan Johnson likes to do with that film, or like he he's really he was really intentional with like blocking, so there's always something going on in the background, or there's always somebody to be seen in the background. It's, um, it's just a perfect film. Yeah, I think it's his by far his best film. Uh, and you mentioned yeah. 2049 also. Like, yeah, I could even if that movie's if that movie went on for another half an hour, an hour, I think I'd still be fine with it. I know some people don't like the slow burn nature of it, but I really enjoyed it. And it and it holds up on rewatches too. The slow burn nature still works. Yeah. It's not a movie I want to throw on, you know, more than maybe once a year. But um, I don't I don't know that Blade Runner was ever going to be like that. You know, I, I think I would probably watch it more frequently than most people do. I think when it first came out, I think I watched it like six or seven times. Nice. Uh, it's, a, it's a good amount of chunk of time in my life, so you know I enjoyed it. So I think I've seen it maybe three times. Um, but yeah, it's. I mean, it is a two hour, two hour and 45 minute. Hour. Right. <laughs> I did see it in theaters, so I did contribute. I did my part. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the 4K steelbook for it is just gorgeous. And like the steelbook artwork itself. And it's just maybe my favorite one I own. And uh, um, the picture quality itself is also just, man, stunning. So, yeah, yeah um, that's a film that is, gosh, it was even one of those like I showed to my wife. Like, I don't even think I'd shown her the first Blade Runner. I think I just showed her 2049. And yeah, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> and Abby's not normally like a, you know, high concept sci-fi stuff like um yeah, it's it's a it's a fun sequel because you don't really need to watch the first movie, but if you watch that, then watch the first movie, it kind of um, enhances the first movie in a lot of great ways. Like I think it establishes the relationship between the two primary leads in the previous film far more um, if you watch the second film because yeah. on the initial film they had like no chemistry, but then they do a lot to kind of add to that like why their relationship was so contentious and whatnot. It, it really adds up when you watch it again, um, the initial Blade Runner. It's, and it just does all the little things right. Like it, it's a, it's a film that means so much more than it ever should have. Um, you know, like just it's a it's a movie that you go into it and you're just like I'm like wondering I'm like all right so it's gonna be this high concept sci fi thing but like it talks so much about what makes somebody human and what what is somebody's identity made of and Ryan Gosling's just acting his ass off in the movie like he's so good. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's excellent. And yeah. it's funny he could do something like that and then he could do something as like as goofy as you know uh as nice guys and i and i mean that the most respectful way possible because yeah. this character is moronic <laughs> yeah. 
And it's supposed to be. And those are the same year. Those two in La La Land. Right. Oh, uh, no, sorry. Hold on. Uh, Blade Runner 2049 was 2017. Nice Guys in La La Land. But, but like, he goes off of doing The Nice Guys to do Blade Runner. Like, maybe La La Land. I don't know. Either way, that that was his kind of back-to-back-to-back. And it's like, how, how do you do those three performances? Like, Because they're all different. <laughs> yeah, they're all uh, drastically different. And he nails all three of them. They're his three best performances. Uh, yeah, man, it's... It's so good to gosh, I love that movie so much. Um, and you're right, I've appreciated the original Blade, Blade Runner more from it, and that's that's a good thing for a sequel to do. But I, still, the first one's just it's fine. You know, it's it's nowhere near as good as I think that the culture has uh, has said it is, um, and I think a lot of people that way. I'm definitely that's definitely not a hot take. Uh, In some circles, it is, but I'm like I was like guys, like we watched 2049, and then you know, then let's talk about it. You know what I mean? The complexities that are there, and like what it retroactively does for a lot of stuff in the first movie well and what's so shocking is i you i feel like there's not a lot of people that like both movies, like that really like both movies. it's either i like the original i don't like 2049 or i love 2049 and i don't like the original it's it's like that's a really interesting place to be like you don't get that with terminator nobody's like t2 kind of sucked but t2 won't like <laughs> no they're both they're both great like right you know you, you know um you know. I might I might be one of the few that's in that camp where I, I actually really appreciate and enjoy the first movie, sure. but I do think the second movie is. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's right. The Terminator comparison, like, yeah, no one's saying like, yeah, that first Terminator that was trash. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it, I don't know. It's it's just it's just crazy that both of them have such a such a big following, but but that typically doesn't intersect. <laughs> um, right. But people saw Blade Runner 2049 because either Denis Villeneuve or because, um, you know, because they they know the name Blade Runner. Like, well, I didn't like the first movie, but maybe I'll like this one because it's different right. enough. And yeah, but um, yeah, anyway, so I thought um, I thought we're going to move this to this portion of the of the show up. Um, so rather than at the end of the episode, I want to give you an opportunity uh, to plug uh, anywhere that you want people to consider checking you out. You know, it's at the very end of the episode. When I listen to podcasts, I don't stick for the last 30 seconds or whatever it is. So uh, I want to get a chance for people to plug their own stuff uh, up at the top of the show. That's going to be a new house. So, so Joe, where do you want to send people? Yeah, as far as social media is concerned, where I'm most active is on Instagram at uh, the Star Spangled Avenger. Uh, there's a uh, underscore underneath each one. Um, yeah, I like to talk about movies, comic books, and just, you know, just post random stuff, like interest stuff. So mm-hmm. that's where you can find me. There you go. Uh, follow Joe on Instagram. He's a great follow. So uh, now on for one random question before we get going. Um, I thought, or I came across this one. I thought this, this one was really good. Let's say hypothetically, you win, I don't know, like Wheel of Fortune and you win a vacation. What is your ideal vacation? Do you want a vacation on the beach or do you want a vacation somewhere in the wilderness? I think that's pretty clear and cut and dry. I, I'd rather be on the beach. <laughs> I definitely would go to the, I'm not a huge fan of sand. Mm. Um, okay. Not to the not to the extent <laughs> of Anakin Skywalker or anything. Like that guy does not like sand at all. But, uh, of course, it's rough and it gets everywhere. Of course, everywhere. it's rough. It gets everywhere. Um, but, but yeah, it's just it's always a good time at the beach. Um, there's plenty of activities to do on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, each beach experience is different. But I guess you could say the same thing about the wilderness. But Sure. I don't know. I, I've never enjoyed camping or like roughing it, um, so to speak. So I've always had a good time at the beach, whether it's like throwing a baseball around, throwing a frisbee, or just like boogie mm-hmm. boarding, or like it's always a good time. Or you know, you can just kind of hang out under an umbrella and you know have a few drinks. Like, yeah, endless possibilities of either fun or just re- relaxation. So 
Yeah, I'm 100% beach with you. I beach every time. I'm I'm not a wilderness person. I don't like it. I don't like, uh, especially sleeping. I don't like sleeping anywhere that I can't control the weather. Um, I don't uh, I don't like sleeping anywhere that there just might be wild animals, like specifically like bugs and insects, not necessarily. You know, obviously, like I don't want a bear to be pawing at my tent in the middle of the night. But <laughs> even like I don't want to wake up and like um, have, uh, you know, like crickets in my tent or whatever and i know that like they're harmless but um i just don't like it you know they're not they're not meant to be where i sleep so um but yeah beach absolutely because you're right like activities are fine i don't like sand either um but you know it's there's things you can do in the sand you know you mentioned play sports like uh like beach volleyball right so and and I'm more associ- I'm also associating beach with like I'm thinking like my hotel is on the beach so I'm thinking back to recently my wife and I finally celebrated our honeymoon or finally had our honeymoon and um, oh, we were, we were at an all inclusive resort and it was like right on the right on the coast it's like that's that's the best kind of vacation is like no agenda we were there for I think six six days um, so like no agenda nothing just here we are we sleep when we want we eat when we want. We go to the beach when we want. We go to the pool when we want. It's all inclusive, so we drink all the time, not just when we want, but all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like, like ideal. Yeah, that's my ideal. You know, like vacations are supposed to be relaxing, and some people get relaxed by the wilderness. Some people like that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not one of those. I also don't like heights, so like I don't want to go hike on like that. Guess what? I'm going to be scared. So, <laughs> uh, beach every day for me as well. Well, uh, on to our coming attraction. Uh, the the one that we got this this week is Fantastic Beasts: The Secret of Dumbledore. The Secrets of Dumbledore. Uh, Joe, we I um, two weeks ago on the podcast, uh, I did a run through of all ten Wizarding World films, uh, and so people know where I sit on things. Uh, where do you sit on the franchise up until this? Uh, I mean, I I've never actually read the books. I, I've I've always meant to read uh, to read the books, but um, I enjoy all the films. I think they're all excellent in their own their own way. Um, even the crimes of Grindelwald. Well, I, I, we're saying up to this point, so I'm, I'm not even including the fantastic B series. So, oh, got it. Just yeah, the yeah. Harry Potter main, the, the Harry Potter main storyline stuff is fantastic. I think they do the best they can with, um, the source material and contain it within, you know, the confines of like each movie. Um, try to think which one is my favorite. Oh, Goblet of Fire is by far my favorite. I don't know why I'm always a sucker for kind of like an all-star cast of characters competing um, that's what my favorite hunger games is like the the the, the second hunger games uh, yeah film. that's the best one um, and I, lo- I love that book the most but yeah i've always really enjoyed the films and like watching their exploits and like watching them grow up uh in this like really fantastical world um but as far as fantastic beasts um i guess we can kind of get into it when we start talking about because because i have more to add as, as far as fantastic beasts go so we can get in my opinion those yeah uh yeah people thought uh people can go back two episodes ago to hear all my thoughts on whatever the whatever the ones are but in general like i'm i'm not a super fan of this franchise but i i'm you know i sure the movies are fine um i've not read any books like sure the they're they're good right um they're not the best thing in the world so i don't understand people that are the best that think they're the best in the world so um a fantastic beast the secrets of dumbledore the plot synopsis for this is it just says third installment of Fantastic Beasts, uh, which the continued adventures of Newt Scamander. And I mean, we kind of know where the movie is going. Um, I, don't, I don't think these are trying to be as like, it, it feels like these Fantastic Beasts movie are really like one long story as opposed to the Harry Potter ones. Or like you got your year one, which is its own thing. And then year two. Yeah. So this shouldn't really surprise anybody what it's going to be about. But for the people that haven't seen them, uh, you know, I'm not going to read the long synopsis. But, uh, but Joe, let's take everything out of the equation. 
this is a theatrical exclusive, uh, but let's take COVID, it budgets, all that out of the equation. Nothing is keeping you from seeing this movie except for your own free will. How soon do you think you're going to see this? Uh, would you go opening weekend, wait for a matinee, wait you can rent it at home, wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for, or use not interested? For me, I'm at a not interested in seeing this movie to the streaming. Uh, wow. Okay. I, the, the initial film I thought was fine for Fantastic Beasts. Um, I thought they could have focused more on the actual beast aspect. I know it's not like the so much wasn't the yeah. wasn't the crux of like what was supposed to be going on. There was you know obviously going to be a longer plot because you plotted to have multiple movies. But those are the most enjoyable parts of that world were you know examining the beast and like that small group of Nick characters like the 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 ones you're formally introduced to like those characters are really charming. But as like I think as it's gone on, they expanded this universe. It's only gotten more convoluted and kind of like less interesting. Um, in my opinion, hmm. like the second film is like really hard to follow if you're not a book reader. Like it's it's kind of all over the place. There's a lot of plot threads. There's a lot to kind of like take in, and, and not all of it's super interesting, in my opinion. Um, maybe it didn't also help that uh, I believe uh, she wrote the script too, right? For the yes. initial film. Okay, so um, she's she has screenplay on all three films. Okay, and I mean she's a great author um, in her own right, but. Writing a script is a completely different you know, practice. So I don't know if she has like the the kind of chops for writing the script. For, for me, in my opinion, I would say no. Um, sure. But yeah, I'm just not too. It doesn't look that enthralling to me. I am really, 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 really excited for the new Hogwarts Legacy game coming out. Uh, <laughs> but okay. I am very much not not uh i'm I'm gonna go ahead and land on streaming officially but i'm not really interested in seeing this um <laughs> yeah the hogwarts legacy games look looks really good but um it's it's a combination of you're right these these first two haven't been great and jk rowling's strengths aren't um in screenplay so um she she was great i haven't read the books but there's a reason why the books are super popular and there's a reason why the movies aren't um you know so it it's it shows and there's Gosh, even uh, <laughs> it's it's frustrating to talk about this franchise too because this is a franchise that's just been plagued with like com- like so much bad stuff going on behind the scenes. Like, I mean, from from the time that the first Fantastic Beasts came out till now, and we've we've heard a lot of comments from J.K. Rowling and a lot of people um, not liking that. We kind of touched on that in the Harry Potter episode. Just like we're going to separate art from artist. Um, we're going to focus specifically just on art here. But like, there's that stuff that's come out. And then there's been the whole like they had to re they quote unquote had to recast Johnny Depp, which probably which in hindsight seems like it was probably the wrong decision for them to make. Like they probably should have let him him stay uh, because you know he was innocent. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and then now this all this Ezra Miller stuff going on, like it just feels like this is just plagued with a bunch of behind the scenes stuff that is just making this film it's it it's more interesting to read about what's going on behind the films than it is to watch the films or to anticipate what's going to go on on screen next time so it's it's a frustrating place to be uh for them i'm sure and um it's i don't know it's it's the first film like you said is so good if it's just newt trying to recover the animals in america um but then when it becomes the grindelwald stuff it's like i'm so uninterested in that and then that's all of Crimes of Grindelwald, and it's just not a good story. And we know how the story's going to end up. Like, that's the thing. This is prequelitis. You know, uh, we know how the story's going to end up. So, man, like, how do you make this interesting? And I don't, 
super know the answer, but I know that they're not answering it correctly, sufficiently uh, at you know the the Warner Brothers production company. So um, I, I just if this franchise was the start of the Harry Potter stuff, it would not have worked. The only reason this film is getting made is because it's attached to that uh, you know, with the Harry Potter stuff, which has such a dedicated fan base that even though Crimes of Grindelwald sucked. It's, this movie's still probably going to do pretty good at the box office. Um, and I if this so one too. sucks, I don't know. We'll see. Um, we'll see what the future is if if this movie winds up being bad or the box office numbers wind up being bad. Uh, but, you know, Warner Brothers made so much money off of Harry Potter, if you'll just finish your thing. and <laughs> uh, yeah, Even if they try to... Here's the other thing, too. Like, I don't feel like there's enough story that they even have... Like, why can't this be the last one? Why does there have to be five movies? Like... Couldn't this be the finale? Like, especially after Crimes of Grindelwald was so poorly like received. I, I like, wasn't even aware that there were supposed to be five movies. I thought maybe four, but they initially planned five, and like the first one is kind of a nothing movie in the grand scale of what's going on, other than introducing your characters. And the second movie is just a bad story. Like, it just it. I feel like you could have encapsulated probably the whole story in a trilogy. Like, five is such a weird number, but they're probably like, well, five gets us this amount of money. We like money, so... There are so many plot lines in the second film. It's like they cram them in there as, like, as fast as they can and, like, try to make you care about these characters. I'm like, I, I just don't care. I don't remember anybody's names. Like, it really detracted away from Newt, and I liked him because I thought he was, like, kind of socially awkward and, like, quirky yeah. and, like... Like you said, when he's finding Beast and, like, that's, like, the best part of the initial film. Like him and his like his muggle friend, like mm-hmm. those are the that's like the crux of that entire story. Like and then I mean even Colin Farrell as Graves is really excellent. And then when you get the reveal at the end, you're just like, Ugh, I don't, I didn't want that. <laughs> I like Colin <laughs> Farrell in the role. Like it's yeah. it's it's a little disappointing. Um, but, but yeah, I think the only good news that come out of this is like um, not the recasting is good in any fashion, but Mads Mikkelsen. I mean, if you're gonna yeah. cast somebody as an antagonist, I mean Mads Mikkelsen. You just see the guy and you're like, that guy's the bad guy. <laughs> he didn't get a chance. So I, I think yeah. I think that's like the thing I'd be most excited about. Yeah, and sure, there's there's certainly reasons that I think fans of this franchise should be excited about. Um, especially people that didn't hate Crimes of Grindelwald or people that like Fantastic Beasts and where to find them enough. You know, having uh having Newt still be in here but letting uh letting Dumbledore have a bigger role, like that should be fun for a lot of people. Certainly the Mad's uh should be good for a lot of people. Um hopefully they try to have way less story going on in this film, or at least so many like starting plot lines. Hopefully this is just a film that kind of sustains or even wraps up some and still leaves some resolve for the last two films. Like hopefully they learn from their mistakes. Um, I don't, I don't know that I've necessarily like seen any reason to believe that they have though. I mean, the film has been delayed. I mean, Crimes of Grindelwald came out like 2016, so it's been so long, but uh, I think the first one was Crimes of Grindelwald might have been 18. Um, it, it's either way, it's been so long that uh, like you hope that they would alert from their mistakes and do rewrites, but it, they got pushed back because of COVID, not because of the terrible reception of the second one. So like, who knows if they actually learn from their mistakes? Who knows if they're actually changing things? Or is this going to be another Crimes of Grindelwald? And I haven't. I know that re- early reviews are out there because this is open in everywhere except for the United States, or at least Australia and UK. Um, I would assume that's pretty much everywhere except for us and maybe China. But so I, do, I know there is early reviews out there stuff. I, I haven't heard anything about it yet. Um, um, and I, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to wait until at least specifically re-recorded this 
Um, I mean, I'm ultimately going to go see this pretty soon because I'll make an, uh, we'll make a bonus episode where Alice and, uh, um, Nash can come back and join, um, and give, and give a review of this one. But also like, I have a wife that's a big Harry Potter fan. Like I'm going to wind up seeing You're going to end up seeing it. <laughs> Man, I, I'm not looking forward to it at all though. So whatever I drive, I, I take my wife to a bunch of crabs. <laughs> I, I so hope that we're both wrong. And I so hope that by the time that Fantastic Beast 4 comes out, we're sitting here at the edge of our seat. Like, I can't wait to see this thing because the third one was so good. I just don't have faith that that's going to be. I, uh, I think I've ingested enough media and seen enough films to know that I probably won't enjoy it. But <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm always willing to be surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping to be surprised, especially yeah. when we're when we're so low. Yeah. Well, there's that. Um, you have any other thoughts to say? Or are we good? No, I, I think we're okay to move. Okay. Uh, well, as we before we move on to the SIF topic, I want to give a quick Patreon shout-out. So, uh, patreon.com slash SIFPOPWR. You can check out um, exclusive episodes there. $5 a month, $10 a month, $20 a month. $5 gets you early access to episodes. $10 gets you um, access to a bonus review of the month. This month, April, will be uh, the, the new Nicolas Cage movie, uh, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Uh, there will be a Fantastic Beast mini review that will be public, but the unbearable ways of mass return exclusive. And if you're at the $20 a month or higher, le- there is no higher. If you're at the $20 a month level, then you get access to personalized reviews uh, from me working on uh, getting caught up for those. And you get to hear the reviews that other $20 a month member. So so there's that. Patreon.com slash WR. All right, Joe, let's move on to these Netflix Marvel shows. Uh, we'll be talking about all of them in full. Um, so full spoiler warning um, of all of the shows that are included. Uh, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, The Defender, and Punisher. Um, we'll talk about each season as they uh, released. So we'll go. Uh, we won't just do Daredevil 1, 2, 3. We'll do Daredevil, Jessica, do all that. Um, we'll 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 start off with the like it, love it, hate it. Just like I think it's just okay. And we'll have whatever discussion we feel like we need to have. Um, over, over it, and uh, and then the B plot will just be where do we want to see wh- what's next for these characters? Do we forget they existed? Do we play multiverse? Incorporate them into the MCU? Do, do they have their own Disney Plus universe? We'll talk about that later. Um, but uh, let's start with Daredevil season one. Uh, Joe, Daredevil season one. Uh, for reference, uh, those that don't know, or uh, those that need a reference because they haven't seen them in a while, Daredevil season one is um, Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock starting out as daredevil and we have kingpin as the big bad kind of a different version of the past so that's your daredevil kingpin um origin so um what do you think about daredevil season one do you like it love it hate it dislike it or think it's just okay yeah and i mean in my opinion um i love it i i think they knocked it out of the park um and they had to i mean this is like this is their initial film that kicked our initial show that kicked off the netflix marvel series like it had to it had to do well I guess like the the comparison you can make parallel is like this is like their Iron Man, right? They're taking a character that's kind of like a lower level character, not people are not super aware of. He's maybe a B level character, and like really doing something fantastic with it, and like ripping from like the best source material they can, which is Frank Miller's Man Without Fear, mm-hmm. and just really adding all the complexities that this character deserves within a within a television series. And uh, not to get too far ahead of myself, but as far as like having the thirteen episode structure. This was the one I think that ended up paying off the most for having those 13 episodes where some can get a little long in the tooth. Okay. Um, but yeah, like you said, uh, Matt Murdock, Charlie Cox is fantastic in it. Um, he put a lot of work into this project. Uh, and it shows. Visit D'Onofrio is excellent as uh, Kingpin. And like you said, he's a, he's different from his comic book counterpart and is a little more relatable. Um, his his origin story is uh, like fantastically intertwined with 
uh, Murdoch's. I think it works really well with your mm-hmm. kind of juxtaposition. But yeah, um, I, I thought it was fantastic. It really got me excited for future projects. Yeah, I am also in the loved it camp. I'll go low side of loved it. Um, I think there's a there's a lot of things that this show did really right. Um, let's we can start off with the casting. Uh, Charlie Cox is Daredevil. He's so good. He is a Matt Murdock. Uh, he plays both roles so well. Um, and yeah, it's you can look at the the Ben Affleck film and be like, yeah, it doesn't quite work. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you know, and, and and for me, for that particular case, it's like I don't I don't quite know what it is. It just doesn't quite work. Um, it's it's either not serious enough or it's trying to be too serious for what the source actually is. It's probably try it's it's probably trying to be too serious from a script that is meant to be silly and uh um or generic. I don't know. It's trying to think too highly of itself. But but this one, this one really works. It's grounded in a it's kind of it's it's in a pre-established universe cuz it's the MCU. Uh but it it, it I don't know. It at least when this came out, this was MCU canon. I don't know where it sits now. I get the feeling that, it, look, it, it's out on Blu-ray now um, by the time this comes out. It, since, since have you seen Spider-Man? I have, yeah. I, I just okay. recently saw it, yeah. Okay, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but since Charlie Cox is in Spider-Man No Way Home, like, you've got to think that at least this one is canon now. Anything involving him. So I don't know. Like, it, it's a right. weird line that they're going to have to play. And I'm excited to see how they do it. And we'll talk more about how they do it here. But, um, but at least when this show came out, it was considered MCU canon because this is aftermath of the Battle of New York. Yeah. Uh, it builds up. So Charlie Cox is great. Um, I love the guy that plays Foggy Nelson. Um, he's he's a, he's a, a mighty duck all grown up. Um, yeah, uh, Elton Henson. Yeah, I yeah. recognize him immediately. Like, oh, it's Fulton. Uh-huh. I was like, I was like, he's really excellent. I was like, these two have like magnetic chemistry. Like they're really fantastic together. And uh, it it really feels like they've been friends for a while. Yeah. Um, and Deborah Ann Wool as Karen is also great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like you said, the casting from like from you know top to bottom is like is excellent in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I guess I just <sighs> I guess I'm not on the high side. I loved it because I uh, or. Or firmly loved it, or whatever, because I, I think that it did so many things well. Especially, like I love um, this season has stick. Um, so as opposed yeah. to you know the the Ben Affleck one, um, where it's just like he's fast and strong and really quick with reflexes. Because this one is shows you through the process of of his origin story in a lengthy tale, um, and it, um, it, it so it gives you it gives you flashbacks as well as gets him set up as you know, the Devil of Hell's Kitchen. Um, but he, um, he, the, the, the show is 13 episodes long and it really justifies that 13 episodes. Um, it's maybe it's that the finale was fine that I, that I'm not quite like gung ho about it. Um, maybe like the finale's okay. Um, at least it doesn't fall into typical tropes. Like it's not just, you know, punching fists in the middle of a street in, in the rain. Like it's kind of that, but it's, it's at least kind of different. It's more, there's really more of an intellectual battle between um really matt murdoch and kingpin right um and it it it's i like where it goes like i like where it ends but i i, I get the feeling that maybe ne- like because this is the first show they weren't quite sure how they wanted to end it because they weren't sure how much commitment netflix had um at least for that daredevil specific character because they had already announced all four season ones and the defenders so like i, I don't know it, it, maybe just that part bleeds through a little bit where they're just like we we want to leave it in a place where fans can be happy if we don't ever get a season two. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just how it feels. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that that I mean honestly could have been the case. Like I said, they got greenlit for doing all the solo shows initially for a first season and then Defenders. 
So maybe they kind of wanted a place where they can kind of like, you know, seal it with a bow or like tie it off. So, Which is strange because it starts off so comfortably. It starts off like really vibing well, just really being like, oh yeah, this is, this is what I want. It's just... I don't know. It feels like it feels like the showrunners didn't really want Wilson Fisk to be in prison at the end of season one, and they wanted him to be kind of more an underlying character. But they were like, "But what if we don't get a season?" And then it wound up being a hit, and so it feels like there never was that issue until Netflix started canceling everything. But um, uh, but at that point, a lot of the stuff had already been filmed and made. So um, yeah, it it's maybe that's it. Um, it feels like they really wanted to make Kingpin more of a like not just season one film um, and that's pretty evident through seasoning so uh maybe that's it it just didn't quite stick the landing for me. uh it's really good though it's really good um yeah I'm, I'm trying to think of other things to say do you have other things you want to add to this one i, I can't i can't believe like in my notes i i can't believe i forgot about stick like i don't know how i could forget about <laughs> scott glenn as stick yeah which is like he's he's a big part of the origin story for daredevil i think especially in frank miller's run because frank miller introduced a lot of lore that was not at the time canon, but then like people were just like, all right, this is this is just this is the premier Daredevil. They started intertwining it with the actual comic book runs uh, instead of the short term. Um, yeah, and, and and another person to mention, mention, and you know, we'll talk more about her later. Is uh, Rosario Dawson as um, Claire Temple mm-hmm. slash the Night Nurse? Like she becomes really the kind of connective tissue between every single one of these heroes because um, she has a you know a particular set of skills, <laughs> and that's healing and like mending to uh, vigilantes. Um, with the street variety so yeah she comes up quite a bit and uh yeah she's always she's always great and every time she assumes a role yeah yeah that's i mean and to talk about the ben affleck just just to touch upon it a little bit i think the thing that really doesn't work about the ben affleck version daredevil is killing people it, that's almost it's almost as bad if not worse than batman killing people. because matt murdoch is catholic and that's a whole thing position about his character especially if they really make that a point in the series that like he is ultimately against killing who He'll do anything but kill somebody, uh, and that's like that's a big. We'll get into it later, but it's a big part of season two between his uh, contentious nature with uh, Frank Castle. Because Frank Castle, we know, he always takes legals. He doesn't doesn't really care. Yeah, and I'm um, I'm 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 ready for the day where we can just have superheroes kill people and with it. Um, like I know it, it feels like there was so much like nobody cared about it, and so it was just happening. And then it felt like there had to be, hold on, they're heroes. Heroes don't kill people. And it was, so it feels like every property now, except for Deadpool, has to be, you know, we can't kill anybody. And it's like, I'm you know, I'm ready for the, I mean, I'm ready for the Logan, you know, where it's like, no, Wolverine ripped that guy to shreds. Like, yeah. Um, have so, you seen Peacemaker yet? I've not, no. Um, but but there, I've seen Suicide Squad. So that's, that's but they're, but they're not heroes. They're, there's a there's a funny bit about uh, the kind of like, uh, kind of ambiguity of being a hero and like killing people. And it's, it's pretty entertaining um so, so i'll save that for you to watch but it's it's pretty funny yeah it's it's very high up on my watch list. <laughs> um it's it, I, I, and i say that like i'm just ready for people to 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 stop like trying to necessarily just say like oh well they're heroes so like it, the exception is daredevil like and batman because that's the two that's the principle that both of those characters are founded on it, is batman's was forged by death and so he thinks that if you if you are a if you kill, then you are no better than the people that he's fighting. And Daredevil has that spirituality aspect to him and uh and that 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 deep rich Catholicism that, that goes like runs runs through his brain, veins, you know? Like um so like those those are the two that like I'm never I'm never gonna comp- complain about Daredevil not killing people, but it's just one of those like, you know, I'm I just want 
I, I just wanted to like even Agents of Shield did this, and uh, we're not talking about Agents of Shield on the show since that was not an original Netflix property, but like one of the first episodes in they exchange out real guns for these like phasers and it's like it's it's so unnecessary like <laughs> anyway um yeah i you know to talk more to that like i i agree also i don't think every hero needs that certain code of ethics where they just don't mm-hmm. cut it becomes becomes old hat becomes tiresome yeah so. and it takes away the meaning and the importance um you know if, if every hero is not killing okay they're they're just not doing it but why why becomes not so and the why is the most important so um yeah no this show's great um the rosario dawson, dawson i for, we forgot about that so um, well, yeah, we, uh, we remind each other of uh, the respective characters we were meant to talk about so that worked out well and this this season um the three daredevil seasons each have a winner in them that are just remarkable. Um, I think they're the only shows that have a winner in them, but this one, the, the season two is the hospital fight scene. We'll get there at season two, but season one is a hallway fight scene. Yeah. And it's got to be top three action scenes in the MCU. Um, it's so good. I mean, it's not like uh, not like through the wall, like old boy style. It's just like you're kind of following him and then like somebody will like push him through a door and you can see him getting like more fatigued and more fatigued as it goes on. And you can see like if somebody makes damage to his left arm, like he's kind of favoring his left side for a little bit. Like it's such a meticulous, thought out, well choreographed scene that we can't not mention it. It's so good. Yeah, I... I meant to talk about it, and, and yeah, it will it will come up each. Like you said, each season has a winner. But I don't think I don't think like Jessica Jones does. I think it's just the Daredevil. One. Well, each season with Daredevil and Defenders has one that's like Defenders. Like, has, yeah, yeah. You don't ever want to catch any of these people in a hallway or a combined <laughs> spot because you're probably just going to get a beating. So yeah, um, but yeah, it's an excellent fight scene, and yeah, I think most recognizable if, if you're you know a cinema fan or a cinephile, like oh yeah, it's very reminiscent of Old Boy. There's a vulnerability to that fight scene. It's not like people fighting forever and not getting tired, which is really irritating to see. Like you like to see our heroes like struggle a little bit. Like it helps with the believability. Um, sure. So, so yeah, yeah. Thanks for mentioning that. That's well. Uh, let's get on to Jessica Jones season one. Um, Joe, do you like it? Love it? Hate it? Dislike it? Think it's just okay? Uh, yeah, uh, this is another one that I absolutely love, and I actually enjoyed it more than the first season of Daredevil. Just because Jessica Jones at the time was like a character I wasn't completely familiar with. Uh-huh. And uh, I've always wanted to read Alias, but never got around to it. I still need to read Alias. But uh, yeah, it's based off the Alias comic book. Uh, and I think the thing that's really special about it is like, you could have all the power in the world, but if somebody has the right power set or the right suggestion, um, I mean, they could just control your entire life. To see somebody so powerful be so victimized and like not be able to do anything about it, like, and have it run through the entirety of a season and like see what it does to her, like... I thought it was really well handled and like in the best way they possibly could something so horrible happening to her. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. And just like the introduction of other characters as well. Um, this is the first introduction. We'll see Luke Cage. And I think he's really well intertwined um, before he gets his own show and see like their relationship. Cause on the comic books, they actually have a kid together. So it's kind of fun yep. to have like that kind of um, those two interact with each other. But yeah, and to, to jog people's memories that might be listening this is the scene uh, this is the season where yeah this is luke cage origin story is embedded in the, um and they hook up for most of the season and um uh and then the Kilgrave is your villain david Tennant, the man in purple so yeah and, and you really can't talk about the series or jessica jones without talking about david he's phenomenal in this he is uh charismatic but also completely uh vile and despicable um but yeah, I mean, we'll get more into it. But yeah, overall, I just really enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was really excellent. 
Yeah, um, I'm totally on the same page as you. I think this is better than Daredevil Season 1. I'm firmly in the loved it. Um, this, this show was so special to me when it came out. Um, I absolutely thought this was the better show and had maybe at the time, maybe my favorite scene in the MCU. Uh, but what makes the show so special to me is that you have this Jessica Jones character who is a relative unknown, um, for most comic people. And Kristen Ritter is just knocking it out of the park here. Uh, but you, but like with David Tennant as Kilgrave, that also uh, adds like a really rich element of he's so good in this um, yeah, because he makes much. it he makes it more of an intellectual battle than he does a uh, a physical battle because it, it, his his power is he can he can speak and you have to follow his command and that's so lethal especially when he has a weapon like Jessica Jones but because of a promise that he made because he loves this person um, like he's not using the power on her so there's really interesting moments where like he still has the upper hand on her even though he can't control her and uh but it's it's psychological warfare and it's one of those where you think how do you defeat a guy like this without just um and the answer like you don't you like (laughs) because especially the answer is you don't (laughs) at any point at any point, you could be fighting him, and he could just say stop, and that's it. And he can run away, and you know, he'll say, "Freeze yourself for thirty seconds. Like, don't move a muscle for for five minutes, and and run away." And like, that's it. Like, at any point, he could, or at any point, he can say, "Like, you know, turn around and shoot your best friend," or he could say to the president, "President, like, give me the nuclear launch codes." Like, you know, and like, there's infinite possibilities what you can do with a guy like this. Uh, I mean, you could rip out his tongue. I guess that would also work, but. You know, killing him seems less harsh than that. <laughs> um, but but yeah, it's 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 such an interesting, and especially at the MCU this time, we hadn't really seen villains like this because this is before the MCU had good villains. This is just where they were like stock punchy guy, um, and now we have oh this guy's this guy's a whole different breed. Um, and this this really culminated to I think my favorite when this show came out um, in twenty fifteen looks like. Um, had my favorite episode or my favorite scene in the MCU at the time and might still be. And it's the scene where Jessica's arrested, Jessica's at the police station trying to tell them about Kilgrave and, uh, and they're no, like nobody's believing her, but she's like trying to give her her thing. And all of a sudden, uh, oh no, this is, this is later in the season, like episode like six or so. Um, so I think they've, they're, they're questioning her about something that happened. She's trying to convince them of, of him. and. Um, you know, whatever the setup is, um, all of a sudden the whole police station, like just nobody moves and Kilgrave walks in and everybody pulls out their gun and sticks it to somebody else's head. And he's like, if you don't get out of here right now, I'm going to make everybody pull the trigger. And it's like, that's yeah. the kind of power <laughs> that's just like, I'm glued to the TV and I can't stop watching. And I'm just like, this guy, this, this guy is the best that the MCU has done with a villain so far. Uh, this is this is some serious some serious voodoo stuff going on and it's it's a long scene too like the way that it's shot and played out is just like it's man, it's I, always an uncomfortable feeling when he's in the room because you know what he's capable of and they do a good job of like portraying to you like what he's actually capable of because like the way his powers are based off pheromones so like if he's within a certain proximity if he suggests something you have to do right well and then it's it's even so much more that like the you know, everybody's sitting there and you can tell they're all really nervous and terrified that he's going to say, pull the trigger. Um, but then yeah. like, as Jessica agrees to leave with him, she's like, you're all going to forget about this and you're all going to just start giggling and nobody's going to know why. 
in 30 seconds and they leave and that, that time passes and then all of a sudden everybody just starts breaking into nervous laughter and it's like yeah. <laughs> like like she can't even come back and be like hey remember that because they won't remember like they'll just remember the time they were all nervous like man and there, there's also an extra element too because of specifically the backstory that jessica has of being used as a weapon from Kilgrave. um where she's so guilt-ridden, like she is a totally broken person um, when we meet her. And she's a broken person pretty much throughout the whole show. Uh, but the first season really emphasized that. And it's, um, gosh, it felt so fresh for a female character to be not just a side piece or not just like a, a stock character, but to have actual range and depth and um, to be the actual like biggest threat in the room. Uh, it just felt it just felt like this show was ahead of its time in pretty much everything yeah i think thematically like they have a great through line because like it's not only her like there's several characters that have been victimized or like are currently being victimized like you have like her friend trish has had like Mm run-ins with stalkers because she's been in the public eye for like all her life Um, and uh malcolm uh malcolm which you you feel so terrible for uh we'll talk about it more later but i think malcolm becomes a character that i constantly Always, like I root for. I want him to do well and do you know because his life was on such a positive trajectory until Kilgrave came into his life. Um, yeah. So destroyed this man's life. Um, but but yeah, they introduced like a lot of great characters. Uh, this is the first, I believe, this is the first show you see Jerry Hogarth. Yep. Um, and Carrie Ann Moss is, is great in the role. She's so good. <laughs> I love the hater. She's despicable, but like can't help but not like her because it's Carrie Ann Moss. She's just killing it. Um, but yeah, just. Like you said, I couldn't agree more. I think we're both on the same page here. I actually thought it was better than the initial season of Daredevil, and I was excited for more things. I remember it being a hot take at the time to say that because... I do too. (laughs) A lot of people watched Daredevil, and it just feels like this is... I think this is part of the problem with just TV universes and all that, like trying to make cinematic universe on TV and all that, is that people didn't watch Jessica Jones because they were only interested in Daredevil. And then when it came around, they were like, who's that person? And you know, when it came around to, to defenders or whatever. And so they missed large chunks, but also like who the heck is Jessica Jones? <laughs> like, uh, but it wound up, man, it was, it's just so good. Um, yeah, it's, whew, um, it's so good. And you're right. Hogarth is, is really good. It is, it, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the, the end of the pilot episode is, um, um, Jessica is hired to um to investigate a missing person who wound up being like the the daughter wound up being somebody that became somebody i'm right now but isn't the end of the first episode like a a like she she finds her and a policeman takes her home and then kilgrave makes her shoot the police officer like isn't that the end of the first episode i think that's the I think I ended the first episode. Like, what a way to end like your pilot, like <laughs> to and especially because you're like, what just happened? But 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 you can see Jessica knows exactly what just happened. Um, I think it's what's also really great about the first season of Jessica Jones. Like, um, I think it's another one that really I think it helped having thirteen episodes. Where like we'll talk about it later, but some will have a hindrance of being a little too long. Um, sure. But I, th- I think these first two seasons are like, yeah, give me more. You know what I mean? Like they're giving you. Uh, kind of good wrap-ups in each episode leading into the you know to the next episode they're kind of they, they kind of leave you wanting uh which is great um yeah to talk more about uh mike coulter is luke cage I mean, the guy's perfect he looked like he left her off the page i believe that guy could take a bullet i believe that guy is super strong like yeah and i couldn't wait to see what they were going to do with luke cage and uh, yeah and like i said they established his origin here and his origin is uh unwillingly tied to jessica jones 
because um, the thing that she feels really gri- uh, guilt ridden about is that she ended up killing his wife. Right. Uh, um, I want to circle back the, the the person that plays the um, the student that Jessica's looking for is Aaron Moriarty, who is the lead in The Boys. Um, I knew she be- she plays. The, oh, the, the oh, that's fire. right. Right. Um, oh man, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's. <laughs> And it, and it looks like she's in at least the first two, maybe first three episodes of Jessica until that scene. Happens. Oh yeah, that's that's another yep. part where like, because he kind of like made her see like, oh yeah, this used to be you. Like this is like, uh, it's it's so good. <laughs> it's 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 so like well written and like a terrible thing that he does. Uh, but again, you you kind of <laughs> you don't really know what's going on, but she does, and yeah. she's scared, and you're like, if she's scared, I'm scared. Um, yeah, and we, yeah, and you're you're right. All the especially with like the moments when we find out why Jessica doesn't want to get involved with Luke, why she turns a good thing into a bad thing, and you know, but but also the way that he responds is, um, I mean, it, it, he's he's he hurts, but he's it, it doesn't become, um, you know, it doesn't become like they're not enemy at this point. This isn't like you know at the end of Doctor Strange where Mordo is all of a sudden this this enemy to Doctor it's uh, or end to the the whole sorcerer world uh you know but it's you can tell that there's this like i i need to not be around you for a while but like i don't hate you like i hate what you've done but i don't like we're not we're not enemies now and like that's that's refreshing um before we get to luke cage season one daredevil two season uh daredevil season two comes out but um for a reference this is the one that the first four ish episodes are punisher and then the rest of the season is electra and then punisher come the finale so um what do you think of this one? Do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay? Uh, yeah, uh, as far as Daredevil season two, like I said, they, they introduced Frank Castle. Um, I think the first half of this season is nearly perfect mm-hmm. um, with him being kind of a juxtaposition, kind of like complete opposite parallel to um, to Matt Murdock and his beliefs and like how he deals with threats. Um, we also have another one of those excellent um fight scenes that i think it's on the stairway correct there's a stairway, on the stairway in a hospital in yep. a hospital and it's fantastic it's a it's this great wonder um and he has a, a gun taped to his hand he's he's not using it for its intended purpose but it's effectively used um he has a chain in his hand um but but yeah long story short the, the first half of this is really excellent i think the second half is still good but it kind of loses some steam once punisher's not quite the forefront of it mm-hmm. um I do think Electra is really awesome. I think Elodie Young does a great job as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's quite as good as the first season. So I, I'd say I really like it to love it. There's there's parts of it that I absolutely love. And other times I'm like, yeah, I'm still on board. Like I still really like it. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and land uh, in, in the very high side of like it because for exactly the reasons you mentioned, um, um, the first four episodes are pretty spectacular. Um, and it's, I just love the publisher character. So it was nice to see him back. Um, it, but it felt like this is really two seasons worth of materials that you have your first one and then it resolves the Punisher storyline. And then it feels like it has to kind of start from scratch again and then do the electric storyline. And it's like, you, you could have not held Punisher. Like it makes me wonder, man, I'm making all these speculations about the Daredevil. It makes me wonder, um, if, uh, it makes me wonder if the studio was told you have to have Punisher and they're like, but we want to tell the Electra story, but they're like, but you have to have Punisher. We want you to have Punisher. And, and, and then that would lead to a spinoff show where we can have a Punisher show. Uh, but they're like, but, but we want to do Electra. Like it, it almost feels like that. Um, and they're like, fine, then do Electra, but also do Punisher. Um, or maybe vice versa. Maybe they were like, hey, let's do Punisher. And they're like, we want you to do it. And then, you know, because Electra, because of the way that the film or the way that the season ends, definitely plays a part into the Defenders. So, 
so I don't, I don't know. It just feels like it feels like one of those was the case. Um, probably more so. They wanted to do the Electra storyline right, and they were like, "Do Punisher," and so they kind of compromised by, "We'll give you a Punisher introduction, and then, but it will mostly be an Electra." And so, like for that reason, it's like it just felt like it starts off at a pretty high high point in tension, and it kind of resolves itself. And then they kind of have to start from the beginning again. And so you, it, it feels clunky, you're right. It feels out of place. Um, it's really good what they're doing, though. Um, I remember also everybody thinking that season two of Daredevil was better than season one. I'm like, guys, this isn't. Like, this is great. First of all, Jessica Jones is still the best show that they've come out with. Um, but also, like, no, season one is better. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think it do, does suffer from, like, some stop and start. Like, it does come to a hard stop once uh, once Castle's apprehended. And... Uh, you have like this really kind of like it's like the only vulnerable moment you see from Castle is the the graveyard scene, mm-hmm. and uh, it's really excellent. And then we kind of get into the Electra stuff, um, but it doesn't it doesn't flow naturally for some reason. Like it just doesn't. But but like I said, and like like we both said, like we don't mind that. But it just those first four episodes are so excellent and so consistent um, that that it's it's hard not to downgrade it a bit from the first initial season. Um, but yeah, to to, to talk more. I, I think as far as like there being complications and being clunky, I think it's the second scenario you mentioned. I think they really wanted to, personally, the showrunners wanted to do Electra and do it correctly. That's what it feels like. And like, yeah. we want to follow the kind of like Mark, uh, Frank Miller uh, mythos. And we want to make sure that we, we had some respect to this character, but then Netflix was like, but wouldn't it be awesome if we had Frank Castle too? And they're like, it, feels, it, it, feels like <laughs> it feels like we just, Marvel just gave us the rights to Punisher. Like get me Punisher in there. And we have a guy that's like, He's, you know, he's hot and, off like one of the hottest shows, and, and one of the hottest, hottest names in town wants to be Punisher. So yeah, and yeah, he'd be perfect for it. And I mean, they were not wrong. Like he has, perfect, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's great. The guy's Frank Castle. He's the Punisher. Like, to, to I throw like no him, shade against like anybody else has played the character, but like I like him as much as I like Tom James. I do too. So not not necessarily more, but not less. But the but those two are the great ones. The I haven't seen the Dolph Lundgren <laughs> run, and and Warzone is really cool. So uh, Warzone is not so good. Uh, Dolph Lundgren has like kind of that camp factor, that kind of like late eighties, nineties kind of like camp factor, which is fine. Sure, but yeah, Thomas Jane is excellent. I kind of wish Thomas Jane would have got an actual official second film. Me too. That's me too. Because because Dirty Laundry is the best you know best Punisher <laughs> the, thing that's ever. Yeah, been. that's like the best short fan film I've I've like ever seen. Yeah, it's good. Check out Dirty Laundry, Punisher Dirty Laundry, and you. Yeah, uh, uh, all right. So then, so then we get to Luke Cage season one. So as a reminder, this is um, Cottonmouth, Mahershala Ali, um, and uh, and then eventually becomes Diamondback, um, the person that trained. Kind of, I don't know. Uh, uh, this this is the problem with doing these like so many so many people um, in villain roles or whatever. This is like you know you 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 just remember them. I, Honestly, forgot Diamondback was in this until I was thinking, what happens after Mariah kills Cottonmouth? Because she, because she's the big bad of season two. She's not. She's kind of a big bad of season. It becomes Diamondback, not Mariah. So, um, oh, and it, it turns out it's longer. I thought it was at the end of like episode three or four to like episode seven. Yeah, it's, it's about a little past. I'd say like just about the halfway mark. Um, or unfortunately, blew, blew me out of my socks when it happened. Uh, but. Uh, but you, do you like this one? Love it, hit it, it's like, or think it's just okay? Yeah, I mean, right off the bat, I'll I'll give my rating. Um, I was I I really like it to like the low side. I love it. Okay. Um, it's it it gets a, like as you like slightly mentioned, like once kind of Mahershala Ali's Cornell Cottonmouth Stokes kind of like leaves the picture, 
I feel like that's where it kind of downgrades and digresses a little bit as far as like they're, they're missing that, that element to it. They kind of gave it its punch. Mm. Um, he's such a fantastic character. He's such a like complicated villain. He has this kind of like, he doesn't have more ambiguity. He has a moral code. And like, once you like cross that line with them, he'll kill you. Like he'll kill his own <laughs> men. Like, like to, to not, to not really spoil things. Uh, there's an integral character early on that is his presence is felt long beyond the first season. And he's only in two or three episodes pops is like a huge character and a mm-hmm. big part of Harlem. And like, people like love this guy. He's like a former like street thug who opens up his barbershop and it becomes like the central hub for like Luke Cage. This is where like people hang out. Um, yeah. Colorful characters like Bobby fish um, who are like part of this barbershop. They have a swear jar. It's, mm-hmm. it's very colorful. It's, it's almost its own character in itself. And that character is killed by one of Cornell's men. Cornell loses it and throws him off a building. Like, He's like, no, I literally told you not to kill this man. Like, go there and just, like, start some stuff. I don't want you to kill this man. So he has, like, this, like, strong, kind of weird moral street code. But, like, he also kind of runs this club. Uh, I believe it's called Harlem Knights or Harlem Knights. Uh, I think so, yeah. And um, I'll talk more to you later about, like, that being it. The settings in this show are, like, characters within themselves. Uh, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but I'll, you know, I'll let you talk more to, to the series and, like, how you feel about it. Yeah, I'm going to be on the low side. I liked it. Um, there's lots to really like about the show, but part of it is, um, it, it, like, there's lots to like and appreciate, especially, like, we've already been introduced to Luke Cage in Jessica Jones Season 1, and so this doesn't feel like they're retreading any ground. Um, it feels like he's trying to turn a new leaf, and he's trying to specifically not use his powers. He's trying to just be a guy, um, a normal, regular person um, that isn't super strong and bulletproof. Um, and so, but but then when that's when that trouble comes knocking at his door, he kind of has to be that guy. So like, there's kind of that reluctance to be that person. But there's, um, uh, t- to me, it's it's almost more the opposite. Like I I was so much more invested in the show after. Mariah kills Cottonmouth because I'm just like, if they're willing to do that, then like, what else is going to happen? And, and like, let's, if, if Marvel is willing to cast Mahershala Ali and kill him off in a couple of episodes, like literally anybody is on the table uh, in, in these Netflixos. So um, it really brought a sense of like, oh, they're not safe. Like you, you, you it, and maybe it's just like, you get the feeling that he's going to be kind of like Kingpin is in Daredevil where it's like, he's going to go to prison, but he's going to kind of be, it's like, no, he, he's dead. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's shot in the head, like, <laughs> um, you know, Mariah is going to be kind of that person. Uh, and gosh, she's so uh, the the actress playing her is just so good, uh, Alfre Woodard. So she's great. Um, I really like Theo Rossi, but that's probably because I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Sons of Anarchy. He plays Shades. Um, he's not really given much to do. Um, he's given more to do in season two, but um, but like I like how you can kind of tell that this there's this hierarchy and he's on there somewhere um the the detective stuff is fine we got the misty knight stuff and uh and Raphael. that's i don't know maybe maybe would have been a better thing to introduce in season because uh it's 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 just like fine um it kind of it kind of takes away from the stuff that luke is trying to do. like and, and for the record i think i think it should be worth saying i don't because i don't think i said this yet like it's been a while since i've seen all this stuff entirety um i, I tried to watch some clips from each of the seasons to like refresh my brain a little bit as to like what was going on um so like this isn't me speaking having just finished the season and being like the detectives or like but this is me speaking as like five years removed like i forgot the detectives were in there until i looked up IMDb. (laughs) so um so like that should be noted that like not all of this is incredibly fresh in at least my memory uh i tried to fill in some of the gaps uh 
but so some of this is like five years removed. What do you think? So I think some of that is better though, because that shows you what's like longstanding and what sticks in your memory. It like, does, yeah, you, yeah. What sticks in your memory is like those really like the key moments or like the really things that you're like you really had a keen eye for that really kind of drew you to it. There's there's a lot right. of positive to have with that. Like you said, I completely forgot that too. Like, and I, <laughs> and I think I've rewatched it at least two or three times, and I always I don't forget that Misty's in it because I think Misty's she's either really good or overacts a little bit in my opinion throughout mm-hmm. throughout her tenure in the marvel yeah. netflix series but uh, i enjoy her i think she's well cast um she looks like the character she looks great um but yeah especially too, when she gets a bionic arm but yeah yeah, yeah, yeah they kind of like they kind of tease it in that first season yeah yeah, yeah. And she gets shot in the arm was like oh she's gonna get the bionic arm and like you know i was like waiting for that but uh yeah that, that doesn't happen until a little bit later the uh I, I i think the detective that she's with her partner i think is only in season one because he's got some like he winds up being a, a dirty cop um uh, if right. i'm remembering correctly so he's so he's not really meant to be memorable i think i i don't even know he makes it the whole first season uh, if so he certainly doesn't make it into i i don't think so and now that you mention him he's um he- the thing I remember from is uh, Pulp Fiction. He's in the scene with uh, Big Kahuna Burger. Oh yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's he's the guy that, uh, that <laughs> Brett. Yeah, yeah. Big Grandpa Brett. I think he's actually like now that you mention it, I remember that that plot line. I thought he was really excellent. Um, but like he's you said, good. it, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't something. It was a minor plot thread. I think it kind of shows Misty like how depraved and like how despicable the police force is in New York. Like how it's getting kind of like soiled by crime. So. I think that's what it was meant for. Cause he, like you said, he doesn't last the entire first season. Yeah, no, I don't think, I think actually he gets killed. I don't think he, I think he gets killed in an honorable way, but kind of knowing that very soon he was going to be like in prison. Um, right. So I, if, if I remember. Yeah. yeah. And to, uh, to correct myself from earlier, it's Harlem's paradise. Harlem's um, paradise. And that becomes kind of like, like I said, a character within itself, like in the, I think this continues on through the entire season, I believe, but each episode has a stage performance or at least most of them. And uh, they usually always have some type of implication either for the episode or it has like some type of piece of character development. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's one particular one that really stands out for me. And like this guy's like one of my favorite artists now is uh, there's a uh, long, long live the chief by uh, Jadena. And it perfectly encompasses who Cottonmouth is and like where he is, how stable he is like in his existence in Harlem. He's the King. Like everybody bows to him um, and everyone knows to do so. Uh, I think it works really well with this character and that entire sequence. Like I think I rewatched that a couple of times, just that one sequence at the beginning of that episode um, when it first aired. And then just like the whole imagery with the crown and like the notorious B I G poster and like how they utilize that where like different people will stand in front of that. And like um, that's kind of a through line through the entire series. And, uh, and that's really done uh, really excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's fine. It's just, um, yeah, my, my complaint was just like, it, it, I want to see Luke Cage, not Detective Super. After Luke Cage season one, we get Iron Fist season one. Um, what do you think about this one? This is this was the first one. Like, I feel like everybody really liked these shows, and then it feels like everybody <laughs> hated this one. So where where do you land? Do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay? Yeah, uh, right off the bat, it's a, it's a strongly dislike to like a hate it. Um, okay. It being, I think... I, I hadn't known about Iron Fist as a character, but I was like, let me like let me delve into this character a little bit more. Um, I, I read the I forgot what year it was, but there was a Mortal Iron Fist run, and it's fantastic. Dan Arand is super relatable. He's a great character. He's probably one of the most likable characters in Marvel. Like everybody likes this guy. Mm-hmm. He's like a rich guy who like doesn't act like he's rich, and he doesn't care about his wealth at all. Uh, he doesn't even run his own company, which they kind of do. They kind of touch upon that in this, where he's right. kind of he's kind of aloof to it. 
but uh he's just the cool guy everyone likes him um and actually like one of his like hidden talents and his power is like he has like the power of empathy like he can read people and like empathize with them and I, I just really get a lot of that from this character and he felt really underpowered in this first season like iron fist could do so many things and like all we get is a glowing fist like it, it does a really strong disservice to the character and I, I don't think finn jones was like the correct person to play the character um he didn't put in the work for the physicality portion of it um th- there's a lot of like uh what i like to call hoodie fight scenes where like <laughs> this guy wears a hoodie <laughs> and like you know yeah, it's yeah. clearly not finn jones doing the action um, I just don't think he put in the legwork for it. And he gets completely outshined. And I'll talk more to it later. He gets outshined by Colleen Wing uh, and uh, played by Jessica Henwick throughout the entirety of like um, his tenure as a character. Like she's like the standout in the series and like the only reason to really watch it, um, in my humble opinion. I remember thinking the same thing. She's the reason to watch the show. There's not really another one, especially if you've seen Arrow or if you've seen any Batman property, <laughs> yeah. you've seen this show. Like it's, yeah. it's it's so it's such a retread um especially like arrow was going on at this time and it just really feels like oliver queen and um danny rand are kind essentially the same person um for what these shows show and they're except danny rand is pretty empathetic about anything except for iron fist stuff whereas the at least at least for oliver queen's sake in uh in in arrow it's um you know he kind of has to put on that empathetic playboy kind of vibe um you know, and then go, you know, go do his his complete opposite thing um, as as the era. But it just feels like there's not really a, a, a division between these two personas. But it feels like there should be. Um, it, it feels like there's a lot of things that could be done. This 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 season would do better with a shorter episode run um, as well. Uh, but yeah, it just really felt like um, I don't know. It, it, it's it's also weird in hindsight. It feels like the poor man's secession. Like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um but but colleen is great you're right um that's great and it really it i don't know i don't know what exactly the show's problem is it's, other than just it it's it was wholly unoriginal at the time the casting was fine um for the most part but i think you're right the guy that plays danny fine not great but fine but colleen is great in the the, the actress um so but i, I don't I'll, I'll go low side of okay um because i don't remember hating it i just remember thinking I think it's just because people are comparing it to Daredevil season. It's nowhere near as good as Daredevil season, but or maybe it was because I think I had watched it after, like most people had seen it, and so like I think I watched it right before the Defenders came out, and there was a couple month gap, and so just hearing nothing but everybody just shitting on it for <laughs> two or three months, like you know, all of a sudden you watch it and you're like, it's not that bad, like you know. Uh, so I, I, I guess, I guess that was my experience. Um, so I, I couldn't tell you six things about the show. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I just couldn't, um, I, it, the other, the other problem that this show had, that this season in particular has is you can kind of tell that they forced this to be a defender's pre, uh, you can, you yeah. can kind of tell that the, the showrunner is interested in telling a story. It's, um. And they're like, well, Defenders is coming out next and you're the next one. So set up the Defenders. And I think it works for the Defenders, but it definitely kind of leaves Iron Fist just kind of in the dust and, and all that. But then it also becomes like since Iron Fist is clearly the weak link out of all these first couple seasons of shows, um, it, it really feels like uh, a lot of people might have like you wouldn't blame anybody for bailing on Iron Fist a couple episodes in. But then they can't watch the Defender. That sucks. Right. So, um, yeah, so that's that's my two big claims. And I. Again, I couldn't tell you six things about the show. I don't remember next to anything. So. Uh, I think my my huge issue with the show is that, like it focuses so much on the Meachums. 
and like how they're intertwined with his like past, present, and future. And it's a lot of boardroom stuff. And I was just bored, like literally it's the, just. It's the arrow stuff. <laughs> yeah, literally all the arrow stuff they add in this is like terrible. And, and another thing we didn't we didn't talk about in the uh, prior Daredevil season, they're always alluding to the hand. The hand is yes. a huge organization, like shadow organization in the Marvel universe. Uh, and they're usually like the kind of the big bad kind of working uh, behind the shadow, quite literally. And uh, they're really built up well throughout Daredevil season one and two. Um, they're very mysterious and, and the, the less you know, the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of like, this is when it, they start to become a little downtrodden. They kind of humanize them a little bit in a bad way, but like mm-hmm. they make it um, more of a cult or like a school. Um, I, I feel like it really took away from their overall mystique and like me taking them seriously. Um, it, it just feels like League of Shadows or Ten Rings. It's right, not really but just, anything special. Yeah. But not good in those like those two things are good and like they just right. downgraded both of those elements and like it, it feels like they're copying them yeah right instead of like doing their own thing which they were doing their own thing uh, before this series i just yeah. don't think the showrunners knew what to do with some of their characters i mean especially danny like they don't they don't know what to do yeah. Um, and uh yeah we didn't we didn't touch about it in either season one or two of daredevil but uh wei ching ho who plays uh madam gal is yeah. amazing and uh she shows back up in the series and she's one of the brighter spots as well um but yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the the two things that I really liked, I like I liked Misty and like you get some interactions between her and um, Colleen Wing, which if you know a little bit about their comic book history and how they're intertwined, they're the daughters of the dragons. So like all their interactions are pretty interesting. But but yeah, um, didn't really dig it. Um, my last note before we can talk about the Defenders is Iron Fist is a CW quality show with a Netflix budget accurate uh, ouch <laughs> <laughs> that is accurate um, yeah um because like it's competently made for the most part um but yeah it's yeah uh all right so the defenders um man this I, it felt like forever since we had jessica jones content for the defenders and i was just like sad because it's jessica jones season one was my favorite um but also the way that they made her character here it's like oh no this all makes sense like I f- by the time this had come out, I had forgotten the ending of season one where she closed down Alias Investigation. Um, you know, she's gone further down into a bottle, which you didn't think was possible because she drinks at least a bottle <laughs> of whiskey per episode. Um, but but yeah, anyway. So so we get the return of Jessica Jones, Daredevil, Iron Fist, um, Elektra. Um, what do you think about this one? Do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it? I think it's just okay. Yeah, um, as an overall rating, I think when I initially watched it, I was a lot higher on it um, as far as ratings. But I'd say I like it um mm-hmm. i don't i don't think it's i don't think it's great i don't think it's perfect in any way but um coming right off the heels of iron fist i don't i didn't you know um it was a pleasant surprise um i feel like the showrunners uh first of all knew who danny Rand was as a character mm-hmm. they did their best to retroactively kind of change his personality a bit he's a little more likable um he is a main component of this season and i do believe it's like what you said like like we have to throw this guy in like he's the last show before defenders he has to be in this series because he's a key component to this. Uh, he's going to be a key, key component to unlocking some special power that the hand needs. Um, and, and I do think it's another another chink in the armor as far as, far as the hand goes. Kind of like going further down the rabbit hole, like what their motives are. And you're like, really? They're, they're still... I thought they were like this mysterious organization. They kind of feel like boardroom villains. Mm. Um, but um, I like seeing Sigourney Weaver in the show. thought she was great with what they gave her. She didn't have a whole lot. Um, I thought right. there was going to be more to her character. Um, but as far as like the four, uh, the four members of Defenders, I thought 
I mean, that's like the crux of the show. That's like the part that you really watch. And they're really excellent in it. And I think that's what bumps up my rating to like it. So yeah, I think yeah. they work really well together. Yeah, uh, I'm going to land right there firmly and like it. Um, I think I like the show more than most people when it came out. Um, I haven't thought about it much since um, because there's more to think about in the rest of the shows. This is kind of your standard team up. But what I really like is how I think it would have been so easy for them to do some sort of Avengers level. Where we got to do this, but it still stays at a local like New York level. Um, and it's still stay like this isn't a like saving the end of the world kind of thing. I'm sure there is, I'm, you know, there is a potential apocalyptic thing because it has to be. But like this isn't, you know, we're being invaded by a million aliens in the middle of Manhattan. Like and we got to close this giant portal with that's also being fired at Manhattan. Like the, 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 it's not. It's not this high, super high stakes, super high, like everything you expect from a Fast and Furious movie. Like it, it really feels like its own. And that's that, that what, that's what works into its strengths. And so the other thing is this movie really like feels like the second half of The Godfather. Um, like because you've got these different clans that are like secretly at war with one another and trying to like pull out fits and whatnot. And so it's just like. I really appreciated that aspect. Um, yeah, like the different factions with the hand, right? Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. But just, I think I think the show succeeds because it kind of, it never really desires to be that big, you know, stand up and cheer kind of. Um, and, and it works for that. And, you know, the I don't think that killing Sigourney Weaver off, you know, two with two episodes left was the right move, um, you know, to only have somebody else emerge as a bigger bad. It. I don't know. I, I guess th- again, there's there's kind of the shock factor, but it's like just just let her have her season. Like <laughs> uh, that, it didn't it didn't work as well here as it did for me. Um, uh, especially because Sigourney Weaver was she was good, but the character was just kind of meant to be a lot of threats and not a lot of action. If I'm recalling correctly, like she's not a super or anything like that. So she's just no. Uh, she's just like other members of the Council of the Hand were like um, I don't know if they absorb souls, so to speak. I think they do, but like they're essentially she's immortal more, she's more so like a board president than she is any right but they like they consume souls or do something some type of practice like her and madame gower are like hundreds of years old yeah they, 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 they go into that and she's dying like literally her body's rotting that's why she has to uh, that's why she needs electra yeah um this this show is fine at eight episodes i mean i wish it would have gotten a little bit longer because i feel like there was a longer story here um, and then they just had to cut lots of things and just kind of make it. But but I liked how because they only got eight episodes, they really condensed it to be like, no, this is going to be like a relatively quick story. And there's no reason for our characters to be. You know, but And I feel like they handled them all really well. Um, again, especially where Jessica Jones leaves off and like it takes her to getting back into practice. So she can. Uh, yeah, lots, lots to like. About it. So um, I, I, I just I think a lot of people were underwhelmed at the time because they were expecting. Well, the last time we had a superhero team up movie, Avengers. That could be on scale. Yeah. <laughs> Right. It feels like they made the show they wanted to make. It, it just was never going to be more than like eight out of 10, you know, uh, and it never is. So it probably realistically more like a, like a seven. That's probably what I would give. Yeah. Firm and like it. Uh, and, and it also does a good job of like setting up the future, getting you excited about whatever the next thing, you know, even though there's not going to be a Defenders 2, they were they were always saying that up front. They, we, we are not intending to make a Daredevil Defender season. Uh, we're not saying no, but we're just saying it's not planned. There's going to be a we're not trying to do the MCU here, uh, uh, but we will have characters cross. So, so the first show we get out of that is the Punisher. Um, so, um, all right, the Punisher. Th- here's something I never thought I would see in a series for, uh, because the Punisher doesn't really feel like a character that could sustain a show. He feels like a side character in a show or a, a lead for a 
hour and a half movie, which is why the Tom Jane one works so well, and it's why it worked so well in Daredevil season. And it kind of, I, I still feel that a little bit. This show has the slowest freaking start. Um, I'm going to go probably like uh, high side of okay for the Punisher season. That's where I'm going to land. Where do you land? Uh, I love this show. Um, oh, I think, okay. All right. I, I think I always have like a hard time deciding between certain seasons that I like better. But like this to me is up there with Jessica Jones as far as like it's its plot is fine. But I think where it really knocks it out of the park is like its theme and its through line of like PTSD and like dealing with trauma. And you have all these different characters dealing with their PTSD in different ways. Um, and I, I think they handle as much care as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think they, they do a really good job, really great job. Um, I think this is more of a character piece than it is a kind of a plot driven show. So I think that's where a lot of people either think it's slow or like it, it doesn't pick up quite as much. Um, cause sure. it does, it does pick up towards the tail end. You get kind of get more, uh, more of your kind of like fight sequences, you get more, um, shootouts and whatnot, but there's a lot of character stuff and a lot of like cat and mouse stuff and like stuff that, you know, that other characters don't know about certain characters. Um, so you're kind of waiting for those things to kind of be revealed to the to characters. Uh, but I, once again, I thought John Bernthal was amazing in this. He mm-hmm. shows more of his vulnerable side. Uh, he has a lot of he has a lot more emotional moments and like you kind of see him open up a lot, a lot more, especially with his scenes with Micro, uh, David Lieberman. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the best scenes in the first season. Um, and like I was talking about, like PTSD and like people that have like been in war. You have like Frank Castle, who's like seriously broken person. Uh, who doesn't want to fix things he doesn't want to fix them and you have billy russo um who is no i'm fine he totally denies everything that's that's terrible about himself he doesn't care he leans into it and you get curtis hoyle who's like i'm a broken person and i need to help myself but also i'm going to help other people along the way as well Uh, Mm -hmm. so i think that like that's like the strongest point of like the first season is like those three essential characters sure and it's my problem is this is a 13 episode show this is the prime example of a show that what you're saying is doesn't need to be third. Um, I appreciated that it was more of a character piece because I didn't expect to get that from the Punisher, but um, this could have been eight, especially since Defenders was eight. Like, there's no reason that this should have been eight, that this should have been 13. Um, so, um, and, I, and I totally agree with you on, on the characters, but it, it becomes one of those things that's like, I feel like I, I feel like I could have gotten the same thing out of uh, you know eight episodes um, than I did this one. And I would have liked it more because it just felt like so much of this story, so much of this season necessarily matter. Um, uh, it was trying to take for where they wanted to go in the future, or it was trying to to make you sympathize with the Punisher, since he's you know for the most part been seen as nothing but a brute. Um, when people think of the Punisher, especially your common folk that have only your your standard audience that has not read a Punisher comic, comic, they've only seen the movies. It's like, oh yeah, he's a he's a guy that has no feelings because his family was killed, and so now he just is a brute, like. Um, so, I mean, they're trying to change that a little bit. Bernthal's great. Uh, I really like Ben Barnes in the show. To me, he's the standout. Um, but I really love Ben Barnes and everything I've seen. Um, and it was also like, the show came out right after that first season of Westworld. And it's so stinking good in Westworld. Um, yeah. So it was like, oh, that guy. Um, so, yeah, I, this this just could have been shorter. That would have been my one. Um, it's, it's better than I thought it would be because I was just really... When they announced The Punisher starring John Birdthaw, it's like, great. And then it's like leading up to it with all these trailers. And I'm like, I don't think this is going to work for a series. Uh, and it's it's okay. I think I really like the uh, the resolution at the end that really kind of sets up season two. is like this epic confrontation between uh, uh-huh. him and Russo. 
and them going full on like, all right, this is how he becomes Jigsaw. And you're like, that was so well done. Um, it's, it's probably the best action sequence in the in the entire show. I mean, rightfully so. Like you're building up to this point where like these two people who... For the for the, for the Punisher, yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and it mad strangers on a train kind of vibes. Because um, that's, you know, the finale takes place at like a carnival on a carousel. Like... Um, right. It's like really eerily lit. It's like, it's just perfectly done they're fighting like yeah. on a carousel like i don't know just everything about and plus like that is that is the site of the incident that like spurs frank to become essentially the punisher at that point mm-hmm. without even knowing it and 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 russo knowing uh knowing a lot more about what happened to his family than he like led on to so right. yeah um yeah i m- maybe i'll adjust my rating um i'll say low side of like it because i just realized i gave low side of okay to Iron Fist. This is much better than Iron Fist. <laughs> I was like, um, I was like, come on, you got a little bit higher than Iron Fist. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, no, uh, and and I might even just to kind of push because I don't feel like I want to go any higher than low side of like it for Punisher, but that still feels like too wide of a gap. So I'm gonna retroactively adjust my rating for Iron Fist to go just high side of disliked it. So uh, I'm retroactively adjust adjust that. But uh, no, I guess like there there's certainly a lot to like about this show. I it just the first season didn't quite do it for me. Um, but there was things I really liked about what went on. Was it? I think it was this season, the first season. They're both, um, <laughs> um, except for the the vignettes, whatever that, whatever action sequence they're going for. Is it this season or this? Uh, no, it's got to be the second season where they have like a no. It's a, where they have like a you end uh, like the start of the episode is the end, and then it's like here's how we got here. Um, like where you start at the climax, and th- th- it was something like they were in a hotel room. Um, do you know what I'm talking about, or am I just? Uh, I think I think that's the uh, second season. Okay, if I'm not mistaken. Because I mean, there was an episode that was like that. That was really good. I didn't know if it was the second. Because um, this this first season too, I don't think it's in the second season. Uh, this line, but um, this is the Frank is trying to date a single mom, but not in the second season. Well, in, in this season, um, he's not trying. Uh, he's not trying to date, but he's actually checking in on Lieberman's wife. And that, that okay. starts some contention between the two, even though he's not meaning to do anything. Like he's just there to kind of like check up on them. Got it. Okay. That makes more sense. Yes. Um, but there is some romantic tension, but right. yes. Um, no, yeah. Cause there's a scene, there, there's, there's a specific episode that like Punisher is wanted this whole scene because of the actions from Daredevil season. And like the end of an episode is he's at, I think, I think the girl's house and, and somebody tips him off that he's... And so, like, the next episode is, like, him trying to get... Anyway, there, there's some really good sequences. There's some really good moments. I feel good about that low side of line. That, that feels more comfortable. But ultimately, like, again, this this probably could have been eight episodes. That's my... So, um, ready to move on to Jessica Jones Season 2? Yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. All right. Um, what do you think about this one? We both really loved the first season. Yeah, um, I love the first season so much that I had... I held, like, a lot of promise for, like, the second season. Um, especially after watching Defenders, like her naturally get back into her practice and like get back and, you know, get back to her roots and like kind of, I wouldn't say completely clean up her act because like that's never the case with Jessica Jones. She's always a little messed up and that's, it makes sense. Um, yeah. But for some reason for season two and like where they went with it and like, it's kind of like mean spirited mm-hmm. and the characters are not likable. Even the characters that, that you really like, like if you like Trish or like Malcolm, like to me, they kind of take a step back and kind of devolve, which I, you know, which is which is fine, but if you do it correctly, but I just don't think they did for season two. Um, maybe more so at Trish. I feel like it was kind of like steep steep fall off a cliff uh, with her character. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but Malcolm seemed a little bit more natural with her with his character arc, especially since Jones was kept kind of pushing him away. So it made more sense. Uh, and then the the antagonist, of course, is not going to be as strongly felt as Tenet was. It was never going right. to be the case. He still shows up in the series every now and then as kind of like an apparition or like in her mind, um, which those are some of the best moments of season two. But um, overall, I kind of thought it was just okay, and I strong just okay to like dislike it. Um, yeah, I think I'll just echo what you said because um, I'll, I'll, I'll go low side. I liked it, um, but I think it's just there was there was so, the first season just knocked it out of the park so much that I was never gonna like season touch, um, and there wasn't gonna be a villain as compelling. Um, this one, this season is kind of her origin story. Like we get an understanding of where Jessica comes from, and so like I think the finale is. Actually, I know. I know the finale is like where they wind up, uh, or at least a big point. They wind up like going to the essentially lab that Jessica was turned into a superhero from, and there winds up being this big confrontation. That's where Trish gets her superpowers. For, um, but but yeah, you're right. There's kind of a de evolution um, for some of the characters. Um, it really just feels like, um, gosh, it really just feels like they knocked it out of the park so much in season one that it was almost one of those like, where do we go from here? Um, I mean, yeah, there's how, there's how only... do you want up it? And the answer is you don't. So you just settle with you making a you make a, a right. good show, and that's and that's what they did. They made a good show, not a great show. Um, it's pretty forgettable. Um, I, honestly, to me, like, uh, yeah, I really liked season one. I f I feel like at this point. Um, if I were to rewatch Jessica Jones, I would probably just rewatch season one, um, just because season one is so good. And it's, it's two, two and three are pretty interchangeable for me. They didn't come out that far from one another. Yeah. Um, uh, even th even though Jessica Jones sees the last season, there's a couple more in between here. But this is kind of the point where Netflix was like, "We already ordered it. It's already filming. We're trying to cancel them all anyway. Like, let's just just pump them out, you know. Um, you know, and then we'll we'll cancel them when they come out or whatever. So, um, but yeah, this it just just. It's fine. It's fine. It's good. Um, I I like moments of the sh of the show, um, but yeah, it was never going to be a good season. Yep. You have anything, Dad? Um, I mean, like, I kind of like the big revelation is that like, is her mother is like was like the first, I, uh, what do you say, victim or like or experiment? Sure. Uh, where she yeah. got her abilities. So some of that stuff is pretty interesting, but like, there's times where it's interesting until it's not. <laughs> um. Yeah, and the, the stuff with Trish, I mean, that kind of trickles into season three. I was like, I just can't stand it. And I was like, if you guys wanted me to feel that way, then you guys succeeded. But like, I really, I don't get, I don't see her perspective. I don't see her point of view at all. Like, like I said, her character arc just went like really steep in a direction I didn't like. Sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so then Luke Cage season two. Um, this is really just Mariah at full force. Um, Misty lost her arm in the Defenders, so now she's got her bionic arm. Um, what do you think of Luke Cage season two? Yeah, um, overall, um, I, mean, I, I kind of like it as much as the first season. Uh, I really liked it, I loved it. Um, like you said, Mariah kind of takes the forefront here. Um, she was obviously the stronger villain after uh, the exit of Cottonmouth. It's kind of boggling. They kind of went with Diamondback out of nowhere. I guess they wanted somebody that was like nearly super powered. Like he wears a super suit at the end and they fight. They wanted to big punch him up. So that's why they did that. Um, but in this, uh, Mariah also has uh, somebody else who's a villain. Uh, John uh, Bushmaster, who is pretty awesome in this and very imposing. Um, he has a great look, um, mm -hmm. and his his power set is really interesting. Uh, he practices voodoo and like has different types of rituals that give him certain abilities, and he's awesome to watch. Um, they gave him a really more far more relatable backstory, so you see why he's intertwined with Mariah and the family. You get why he's in the mix, and it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you you get Luke Cage is like. 
he's always kind of trying to play the mediator and the middleman in between, like keep everybody civil, but he realizes that he can no longer toe that line. And I think it's where some of the great stuff comes as far as like Luke Cage and his character. It's very, uh, it's very obviously Godfather-like Michael Corleone stuff. They even like Mm -hmm. pay homage to it in certain respects. Um, But yeah, I, I thought they did an excellent job. And even where it left off, it made me want more, but I feel like they left it in a good spot where like we can close the door on this or we can keep yeah. it open. I do remember feeling that way about about that show because I think this was the first canceled show. Um, maybe yeah. Luke, maybe um, yeah, because Iron Fist 2 didn't come out. I think they canceled Iron Fist and Luke Cage at the same time. Um, yep. And then a late, and then it was after um, Punisher or Daredevil season three that they saw that one. And then they canceled Punisher two and Jessica Jones. And it was before Jessica Jones aired, I think after Punisher. Um, so anyway, it was just, I, I, I remember thinking, and I know speculation was always in there that these might get um, once, once Disney announced less. Um, right. <laughs> but it just like, it was the moment where everything became real. And you, I just, I felt like season two was really satisfying. Um, no, I really like this one. Um, this season, I'll, I'll same as you, uh, just as much as I like the first one, there's things about it that really work. There's things about it um that didn't quite work it's still not the most exhilarating show uh and that's fine not every super movie has to be, you know exhilarating um you know, shows get really introspective and uh, especially if you want to play an intellectual type of game like uh uh you know especially since it's kind of this like luke cage versus mariah one feels very much like you know superman and lex luther um on a much smaller scale it does have that um, feel to it yeah um, and so, you know, cause there's like Mariah is running for like city council and like gaining all this influence and people are like, she can't be a bad person. He's like, she's the worst. Like, and <laughs> so there's like, there's like a really interesting, uh, element there. And so it's, she's excellent. Uh, Mariah is an excellent villain. Um, I really liked where they took her character. Um, really liked, I thought she was imposing, um, and powerful. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good. Um, it would be it would be so good if uh, if if some of the other seasons of these shows were just better and we had them compare them to. Uh, we I'm sure I'd think about them a lot more. But anytime I think about the Netflix Daredevil or Jessica uh, and everything else is like eh, like. <laughs> uh, but that scene with Kilgrave in the in the police station, you know, like that's yeah. that's where my head's. So um, yeah, no, this one's this this is solid. Uh, I might like this season if not just for the fact that it, like it's Mariah the whole time as Cottonmouth and Diamond, uh, but. No, this is this one's good, especially because like I've kind of talked lowly about the last couples here, uh, and so it's just like it almost like I, I was definitely fatigued by this point and just wondering like it, it's not that they're coming out with so much, it's that it's just not great anymore. This was refreshing to me. Um, all right, Iron Fist season two. Um, I haven't seen this, so this is all you, bud. <laughs> uh, before we get into Iron Fist season two, like the, the you know, and and rightfully so to talk about this. This is the best that we see Finn Jones as Danny Rand uh, in the entirety of his tenure. I feel like the showrunners know the showrunners for Luke Cage understand these characters better than the Iron Fist showrunners do. Like they actually care about the comic books and like how closely tight knit Luke Cage and Danny Rand are like they're heroes for hire. Like these guys are best friends they are super chummy and they write them incredibly well. It's like one of the best episodes. That's kind of like, you could called heroes for hire. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Like it's kind of plucked out and it could just be its own thing. Like it could be like a one shot. And that's basically what it is. And like, it works really well. Um, and he's fantastic in it. And like, it looked like he like trained a little bit. Like, I don't know. I couldn't, that's the most positive thing I had to say about Danny Rand, like, and like Finn Jones as a character. Like, I feel like the writing didn't do him any service. I think it could be like part of it, but uh, sure. yeah, I just want to touch upon that before we get into uh, Iron Fist season two. Um, yeah, this, absolutely. This is not fun to talk about. This is probably, 
Uh, I mean, spoiler, I think it's the worst show out of all of them. I think it's horribly this, written. This season two? Yeah, I think season two is terrible. Um, I heard it was so much better, but it was like, I heard it was still wasn't good, but it was so much better. People say that they're like, I think they got tricked by some of the campaigning that people did. Like they're, they basically did this like vignette where like we actually hired a fight, fight choreographer. It was like, you guys should have done that the first time. Don't pat yourself <laughs> on the back. It's Iron Fist. Like yeah, this, yeah. this guy's like one of the greatest martial arts, mar- martial artists, like in all of comic books, him and Sean Chi, you know, mm-hmm. Lady Shiva, like these, these like top tier, like martial artists, Captain America. And you guys didn't hire a fight choreographer, like a good one. Like it didn't make any sense, but um, the first episode starts off really promising. Has some like, has its own like unique style. That's like outside of like the first season that really works. And there's a lot more action. And then it starts really unraveling. And like, you start to like or dislike Danny even more. Um, He no longer wants the iron fist and actually finds a way to relinquish the iron fist. It's, I think it's completely against his character. Well, like, especially like <laughs> it makes it makes sense when when you have these people that are trying to give up their abilities because it like actually negatively affects them. Like we'll eventually talk about X Men: The Last Stand, but I think the whole like taking away mutant abilities was really interesting and should have been a little bit better. But like either way, like understanding why Rogue wants to take away her powers but, that like, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> what do you? What does Randy? What does Danny get from taking away the Iron Fist? Like, like he just nothing. doesn't doesn't want the responsibility anymore. Like. And I mean, too freaking bad. (laughs) He he doesn't want the responsibility, but ultimately like Dabo steals the ability from him. And then Colleen steals the ability from him. And she becomes, I mean, spoiler here becomes like the new iron fist, which it's kind of bittersweet because she's the best thing to, to actually happen to anything dealing with iron fist. But I don't want her to be iron fist. I want Danny to be iron fist. Like, like let's, let's let Colleen be Colleen. And like, you know, let's differentiate the characters, but it just felt very sloppy the entire time, and like I would never rewatch this show again. Lots of well, I mean, yeah, I mean, if you're the way you're talking about it, that might if they ever came out with a season three, I would just you know just Colleen then. <laughs> uh, it, it, I'd be more excited if it was Colleen focused instead of Danny. Focused. Uh, all right, well, you've definitely confirmed my <laughs> lack of interest in watching this one. Um, so then we get to Daredevil season. How stinking good is this season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That- <laughs> It's uh, th- this this objectively might be the best season they've ever had um, of any it's, of the shows. It's either this or the first season of Jessica Jones for me. Right, it's one of the two, and and I think it's just equal. I think I'm just gonna have to say that. <laughs> like I would, uh, I definitely would put it. Even though like I have a I have a sweet spot for the Punisher and like what it does, I would put this above the Punisher in my tier list. Mm-hmm. Um, it's excellent. Uh, I, this is one of the one of the few shows where like the 13 episodes and like. We can, can we do another 13 episodes? Like, that's how good it was. Like, I literally wanted another season of this. Um, and they, I think they, they did a, a great service by, like, um, having an open-door policy so they could do something more if they wanted to, but mm-hmm. they still give you a satisfying conclusion. Um, and and to, to mention a season without mentioning um, Wilson Bethel as, like, Benjamin Dex Poindexter, um, mm-hmm. more well-known as Bullseye, he's fantastic. And they really, so they turn him into Dexter, like the actual like Dexter TV show. Like they kind of like pluck that that plot thread or like the, his backstory and like put it in here, and it completely works. Like you have this guy who's like a blunt instrument, like a tool for no better uh, term, um, and basically turn him loose in society um, as a as a police officer, something to target his his need to kill people. I mean, he's a psychopath mm-hmm. and and a sociopath. So they do a great job of really examining that, like. 
uh, kind of finely tuning this character throughout the series. And they do these really cool, like black and white vignettes things that like, they're excellent. They really work every time they like showcase his character. I forgot what episode it is, but there's one episode that's just purely him and it's great. Yeah, there's looking through the episode guide on IMD. Uh, not surprisingly, they're all very highly rated, but yeah. there's a 9.5, 9.3, 9.1, 9.1, 9.5, 9.5. Like, and this isn't just people going on and wanting to rate because they wanted to try to convince that there needs to be their season four. It's just people are just rating it what it's worth because yeah, every episode of this this season just excellent. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's either this or Jessica Jones for me. These are very different shows though, because Jessica Jones is more of that mind, uh, more of that like will, um, and, and strength of mind. And, and there is, there is definitely that in this as well. Um, but this is more of a, you know, it's more of a punchy show than Jessica, uh, at least the, these, these two seasons and it's fine. They're just, you really can't compare the two, um, cause they're different. Animals. And, uh, you know, they both they have elements that each other has, but they're both excellent. They're both these are my these are tied for my favorite show. Um, uh, the whole paranoia thing again, kind of like a because um, this whole season, Matt's trying to convince them that convince the the cops that there's a plan to break Fisk out, and everybody's like, it can't possibly happen. He's like, yeah. it's gonna happen. Like, <laughs> and it's, and like, why don't you trust this guy at this point? Like, um, and, and the whole the um the like copy Daredevil um like trying to destroy his reputation um like that was a really cool aspect of the show that was freaking exhilarating um uh, yeah just everything about this 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 season was uh, was great and it it just it just sucks that netflix had to be a butt um this is one of the few shows uh, the marvel netflix shows that like every plot thread works too all of them does. work they all work in parallel and then when they don't work in parallel, they smash together perfectly, especially at the end with the confrontation between like uh, Poindexter has been uh, unwillingly used by uh, Fisk, which completely makes sense because the way he, way his mind works and the way it's wired. And then, yeah, him having having a three way like confrontation fight at the end, perfectly done. But yeah, to talk more about the the uh, the kind of faux Daredevil when he steals his costume, like that scene in the uh, New York Bulletin is like horrifying it's something like out of a slasher film like he's just like <laughs> killing people like relentlessly throwing anything he can and like uh if you know a little bit about the character if you've only watched like the ben affleck like uh daredevil anything he throws is a weapon like anything he throws and they utilize all of that perfectly like he could throw like a paperclip at you a stapler like it's all lethal um and yeah they do a great job of like illustrating that in that scene it also feels like um, this this season more than any emphasized the Catholic nature of Matt Murdock. Um, yeah, it's like, um, it's uh, like season one did a great job, and two it kind of got the back burner because there was so much other stuff going on. But it really brought it back, and it was like, oh, like that's right. Yeah, this is you like um, this is a this is like their interpretation of Born Again, another huge Frank Miller mm-hmm. uh, run. Yeah, and they just knock it out of the park. It, I mean, I'll, I'll let you elaborate more. Uh, sorry, I cut you off, but like, no, 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 that was it. But, but yeah, they lean more into that. Um, he find, you know, he finds his mother, which is all like you see it coming, but like it still pays off in dividends. Like, yeah. Um, he also loses his hearing for a bit too, which is pretty terrible. Like, <laughs> there's a there's a lot going on, and like all of it works. It's a it's a perfect season of television as far as like it's, Marvel Netflix goes. Yep, it's it's it is that. For- uh and then we get punisher season two um i think i like this season more than i like the first one um I, i'm not sure what it is about it i think maybe just 
they got more at the end of the first season of Punisher. He's cut. He's a free man now. They're like, you know, we're going to pardon you or whatever. We're not going to be pursuing you anymore, but like the world will always know what you did. So he's like kind of free. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it, it starts off as a story that I didn't really buy into, but when it gets to the jigsaw stuff, I just thought that the interaction between Punisher and jigsaw was, was so, was so good. Um, so yeah, I remember the first couple, the first couple episodes, um, there's, there's the, there's the girl that, that's hiring him because she's being chased by the mob or something. Um, but yeah, by the time that it actually becomes what they wanted it to be, which is Punisher versus Jigsaw, it's so good. Um, and the, and the whole like amnesia stuff, like, uh, with Jigsaw, yeah. like, especially like seeing the way that their re- relationship like had changed and seeing, seeing how they tried to deal with it on a psychological level, like, I just really liked it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I just thought of something. Um, there's a scene in um, No Time to Die where Rami Malek is handed a mask. Um, and like that, I knew I'd seen it somewhere. It's from this show. It's when he gets handed the jigsaw mask. Just completely ripped it off. Yeah, I, I like, um, before I kind of dive into my rating, I like the fact that like the mask was like a kind of like uh, a therapeutic like tool, like something to kind of hide his, his perceived ugliness. Because like, I mean, Ben Barnes is a good-looking man. Yes. And literally, um, Castle takes out Roman, like, tenfold. But he, the thing is, he still doesn't look that bad. He's scarred up, but he still looks... He looks fine. He doesn't look like the Jigsaw from the comic books. Like, that guy's a mess. Like, he looks terrible. Um, but, but, but yeah, uh, I have to agree with you. Like, um, I don't know if I like it more than the first season, but I'm on the, like, the high side. I've really liked it, so to love it. Um, for a lot of the reasons you, you explained... Um, I think like the welcome edition, as far as like having somebody else as a kind of like antagonist and like a heavy, um, the, uh, John Pilgrim character played by John Stewart, John Stewart's mm-hmm. like this, like you see this, he's a character actor. You see him show up in a lot of movies. Like he's been in the dark Knight. Like he's been kind of like a secondary character, not, not dark, the dark Knight rises. He's been like a secondary or like tertiary character and stuff. But like, I think he was really well cast in this. He plays like stoic without being too stilted. He has like this, like moral code that he follows. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. He's still a killer like Castle is, but he has like a code behind. It's just interesting. He's Amish, correct? I think he's either Amish or like some type of commune. So, something along the lines. And, and uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and Josh Stewart. John Stewart's not really sure. I, I, sorry. Josh Stewart. You, yeah, I, please I didn't want that. people <laughs> listening. Well, no, it's fine. I yeah. just didn't want people yeah, yeah. thinking. John okay. Stewart as John Pilgrim. That, that'd be interesting casting. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I want to see that. Uh, yeah, and yeah. You, you talked about the the girl that hired him. Um, her name's like Rachel, but you later learn on her name is Amy Bendix, played by yeah. Georgia uh, Wiggum. Um, she's really excellent. As it goes on, she becomes. She's supposed to be initially kind of annoying and kind of bratty, but she she starts to grow on you. Just like she starts to grow on Frank as like a person within the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the relationship, the way they develop, is like really well done. And and like you said, he's a free man, so like he's not attached to anybody. The plot kind of like runs into him. He's just in a bar. He's kind of hanging out. Uh, he's like talking to a, you know talking to a girl that he's been like he's been kind of seeing right or like wants to see. Like he goes, he frequents his bar, and like he just goes to the bathroom and like he sees uh, this girl being attacked, and like he just reacts. Um, that's where mm-hmm. the plot kind of kicks in for him. While you have like on the other end, you have like um, you have Russo kind of doing his own thing uh, within his own plot line as well. But yeah, I, I don't want to. I'm going to take up all the room here, but yeah, th- those were kind of my thoughts. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm out of thoughts again. This, when we get to the tail end of these shows, these are all, I, I understand now. 
I don't understand when people talk about the MCU stuff just running together because I'm like, no, like there's distinctive stuff going on <laughs> and all that. But like, th- it's different when there's so much content for a show and half of it's forgettable. Like, <laughs> um, 13 episodes. So. <laughs> right. It's, it, you're right. Most of these seasons are too long, um, especially when we get to these later ones. And you can kind of tell like these showrunners are like, um, they're like, it just feels like there's a looming threat of, of cancellation. And I think, and I think maybe some of these shows might have got pushed back or delayed. Um, they're they're well made still, but maybe they would have had more time in the in the prep process. But it feels like Netflix was just wanting to push them out so they could be done with it, or let's push them out more. That way, maybe that'll actually you know give us the data that we're looking for for, for keeping them or whatever. Uh, I think I think another thing they did extremely well, like it was kind of anticlimactic in like the the correct way. Whereas like like Billy Russo being on the verge of death, and you think he's gonna get out of this situation again? You know, he has a he has a get out of jail free card. He has a bunch of loot, a bunch of money from his work days. And then this guy, this this uh, corrupt doctor, just steals his money. He has nothing left, and he kind of just stumbles in, like into like I think it's the uh, it's a uh, it's what's his name's like um, like hub for like his uh, his counseling. And he shows up there, and he's like, oh yes, he's trying to talk to Frank, and Frank doesn't say anything and just shoots him and then just leaves. <laughs> I was like, that's perfect, excellent. Yeah, and yeah, it kind of tying up your loose ends. Yeah, Curtis, there you go. Yeah, I don't know how I forgot Curtis's name. Curtis is like a great through line for this show, but yeah, yeah, especially because you can tell that like Curtis is helping uh, Frank, but he doesn't agree with it. Like, so there's there's a constant tension tension there as well. So um, yeah, uh, all right. So then Jessica Jones season. Three, um, I don't I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> um, I, I I remember I liked it more than the second season. Um, I I couldn't tell you why. Uh, and it, it just, I hate saying this, saying that because like we both talked about how good season one is, but it's, but it's one of those that it's like, I don't remember. I don't know. I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in watching than like most of the rest of the shows just because I love that first season so much. But I'm looking at even like IMDB ratings. It's like, I, I don't think I'm missing much. Although I apparently did take the time to go through and rate episodes seven and eight, a full 10 out of 10. So apparently there must've been at least two just incredible episodes in there. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Um, so I don't. I don't really know that I feel equipped to rate this. But if I s- said the second season was, um, what I say, like just okay, maybe low side. I liked it. Like this will barely inch that out because I remember liking this more than I just can't remember anything about it. Yeah, this is um, one of the only shows I didn't initially start watching or finish during when it, its initial runtime. I think I just kind of ran out of steam. I was so kind of bummed out by the way the second season did that I just didn't really care. Well, and they had already canceled the show before this season, so right. And I was like, I already watched Punisher season two. I like that, but like, I, I don't know if I've invested really that much. I'll just go rewatch the first season of Jessica Jones. Um, but yeah, I watched like the first couple episodes. I didn't finish all of it, so I, I'm not going to really give it a rating. But my like my initial thoughts were like, it was kind of following down the same kind of rabbit hole as the second season. Yeah, um, they feel pretty interchangeable. They feel very interchangeable. Uh, they're kind of directionless at first. Like, you kind of don't know where they're going to go with it. Uh, it's not as, like, streamlined and kind of clean as the first season was. Like, they they were very, like, there's a lot of intent behind each episode. Like you said, they didn't waste an episode. But it was, like, it was excellent. Um, I, I wasn't too impressed with Trish. Uh, I don't know why I keep really being... The, 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 the actor does the best she can with the material. She's actually really solid as a character. She does the best. But I think the writing does no service uh, to her. They whatsoever. don't really know how to write Trish. They yeah. don't. She's very manic, but but I really like the actor uh, yeah. Rachel Taylor. She I, I know her from something else. I'm not sure off the top of my head. And uh, I mean, she clearly puts in the work for the physicality of the part, uh, portions of it. Like 
she you know she looks like hellcat like she does a great job in the fight scenes mm-hmm. but like with like unflinching like nature to become a hero it just seems really desperate and you kind of like lose sight of why she wants to do it like and I, I don't know i think they just want to do it so they have somebody else that kind of like is on the opposite end spectrum of like jessica who is a, a, you know, a reluctant hero but mm-hmm. i don't know i just wasn't really buying it uh the thing that i recognize her from is the first transformers she's the 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 lady that winds up like finding out deciphering the decepticons message. oh okay she hasn't acted in a lot. It looks like this is really the only... And, and, and this Jessica Jones Season 3 is her last credited. Um, oh. She hasn't necessarily done a ton, um, especially recognizable. I, I don't know why. She's good. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's clearly not the not the issue here. Um, yeah, she could she, she could have a career if she wants one. She was good in the first season. I liked her liked her writing for her character. The writing for her character was good in the first season, but either way, the, the actress has always given Yeah, um, Yeah, let's so. preface that. Like, it, it's not her fault. <laughs> right. Yeah, um... All right, so neither of us really have much to say. Like, and I feel bad that that's the case, but it is. Um, where would you for for somebody that's never checked out any of these shows? Would you recommend they watch up to a certain point and stop? Would you just recommend them only watch like a certain particular seasons? What would what would you do? Well, uh, I mean, it kind of depends like what they're into as well. Like, if you're if you're kind of into the entire experience, like kind of probably watch key seasons that you need to watch. Like, definitely watch all. I mean. The mandatory is watch all three seasons of Daredevil. You got to do that. Um, you definitely have to watch the first season of Jessica Jones, especially if you're into some kind of like long form storytelling. But I definitely would stay away from all the Iron Fist. I mean, even if even if he's intertwined within other stories, uh, you kind of get the best of them in those stories, um, and you still get Calling Wing uh, in a lot of those stories. So you're not really missing out much. Um, but yeah, for Jessica Jones season two and three, I would just say just stick with the first season of Jessica Jones. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm what I'm saying as well. I would say you should watch. It doesn't necessarily matter the order for first two seasons. Like you don't need to do Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Daredevil. Um, I would say do the first seasons of Daredevil, Jessica Jones, and Iron Fist, or in um, Luke Cage, and the second season of Daredevil and the Defenders, and then probably also the second season of Luke Cage and the third season. Of I would say probably just watch them. Um, throw and punish there there if you're having a good time. Uh, this is a punisher at least after this but um but yeah i there's no reason to check out iron fist and i wouldn't i just wouldn't check out jessica jones um you know and at least like luke cage to give some finality the things that were set up in some of the characters you don't really need to do that one but i think i think it's um so yeah i mean i would for, i would for sure say at least watch up to the defenders you know especially where the defenders ends really feels like it could be the the finale of this cinematic universe but also, please, for the love of God, watch Daredevil season three. So even if it's just up to the defenders, yeah, Daredevil. at least do that. Yeah, do yourself yeah. a favor and watch season. Three. Uh, yeah, yeah, and if you're, I mean, if you're really digging uh, John Bernthal's The Punisher um, in season two of Daredevil, I'd say definitely check out season one and two. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, let's use this as a transition point um, to talk about the B plot because it, it leads right right out from this, which is what would you like to see next from these characters? If you're Kevin Feige, um, now that you have Daredevil. Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, Punisher, and whatever other characters are in your duty, the Fist, Stick, Elektra, all that. Um, now that you have all these characters back in your your sandbox, um, how 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 would you like to play with them? Like what what um, what would you do next for these characters? Yeah, uh, like before I speak, like what I would do with them personally, like they clearly have plans for these characters. Uh, they've already kind of cemented to for sure. Uh, they, they, I mean. I don't know how many people haven't seen Spider-Man, um, but we kind of already mentioned it. Matt Murdock yeah. shows up in Spider-Man. 
that was a welcome cameo. And uh, also, um, for those who haven't watched Hawkeye, I apologize. Uh, Kingpin shows up. In, oh yeah, I forgot to in Hawkeye. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, so they I think that's I think that's so far the only two connections there's been. Yeah. Um, so th- those have been the only two connections so far. But like, I'm willing to bet they're willing to bring back Mike Coulter and bring back Kristen. Um, yeah. Uh, the, the only person I don't re- recommend them bringing back, if I if I was in control of it now, um, I wouldn't bring back Finn Jones and Danny Rand um, unless we had somebody like a showrunner that was really passionate about the character and could punch up the character and like give it the respect they need to. And yeah, I mean, of course, if, if he's going to be part of the MCU, they're going to make him train in martial arts. Like they're going to make him everything uh, right. and have a, you know, proper character like Shang-Chi, you know what I mean? Like just have somebody that's like proper martial mm-hmm. artist in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, um, I, I feel like I would do like minor tweaks to them, but like kind of what they're already doing. Like they're only making like slight tweaks to them. They're not like completely changing them. Maybe they get a new costume. Like don't change too much about it. Like don't, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Like, yeah, they work like i just want jessica jones in a leather jacket and torn up jeans you mm-hmm. know punching people and drinking that's all you know <laughs> that's all you really need so yeah the easy solution here is now that you've already introduced the multiverse just say that the that they lived in a very similar parallel universe and then you can introduce whoever you want um to just say that like they lived in such a close timeline that even the battle of new york happened um but since none of the things that they've done have affected the larger mcu nobody's really heard of them um i mean and and frankly all of it's so small scale that you could just casually have a line of you know let's say um uh shang chi saying oh you're the guy that shot up half of new york to daredevil or to punisher like um you know you could just excuse it away like that because it's relatively small scale stuff um so the easy thing is just to do multiverse stuff i wouldn't do that though i'd say they already tried to be canon like nothing nothing breaks canon so don't don't make it clunky um i do want to see most of these characters back um what i would do give me more daredevil um and they've shown that they can do it in a tv style great so make daredevil season four um and use your rosario dawson and your all other all like let your other characters play in that a little bit like as much as as much as they want um or as little as they want um but make your daredevil season four um and and ideally beyond that as well and and bring back the original you know the the showrunners bring back people that were the writers all that um you know don't don't make a new version keep it keep it rated r or tvma keep it like that um and then I'd like to see them essentially just pick up the defenders again, except wh- just just make a heroes for hire show. Um, and so have yeah. it be if we want to completely forget about Iron Fist, fine. Then Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, great. Um, or if if they if they're intent on making Iron Fist work, then Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage and Iron Fist um, being the heroes for hire, and you can have Colleen and uh, I mean you'd have to make Danny Rand the Iron. Fist. Um, <laughs> Uh, but but have Colleen and Jessica Jones appear as necessary or as desired or as needed, even if it's just you know for a one episode each season. Um, like use them, but don't feel like you have to use them in that. So, but I wouldn't I wouldn't do I wouldn't do the standalone show. I would just do you got Heroes for Hire and you've got Daredevil go and um, and I wouldn't start making Punisher films. Um, I'd, I'd go back to the film format. Um, I you can't really incorporate Punisher into the larger MCU. Like he's not. Like he's just a guy. Like he's he's a really tough guy. Um, but he's not he's not gonna help out the Avengers. Like um, you know, but you or, can or, have or, him or would they accept him or want him? You know what I mean? That, right, that's the <laughs> yeah, that's that's the other thing too. But like it, it feels also prime for you know, you can have a Deadpool punisher crossover. 
Um, yeah, have, have, have Punisher be a part of the X Force. Like that makes sense. Um, yeah. I mean, he's not a mute. You know. Um, I mean, I, I feel like neither, neither is uh, neither is Deadpool. He's a mutate. So whatever. <laughs> it's true. Technicalities. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would, um, so that's what I would do, is continue Daredevil the path that it's been going, make a new show called Heroes for Hire, where you get to kind of play with the rest of the characters, uh, and make Punisher films, or just as Punisher kind of a, a character that appears in MCU stuff when he's necessary or when he needed, and, um, you know, like, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know, um, that's, that's what I would do, so that includes every, all, all the main characters, except Iron Fist is kind of like, you can take him or leave because you could just make your Jessica Jones um, and Luke Cage heroes for hire. I mean, and they're together in the comics. Like, and even if you want to just take this opportunity to rebrand Luke Cage's power man, like go for it. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I would do. Um, And I feel like that would be better because that would condense the shows and that would condense a lot of what's going on. And you can, you're, you're at a point right now where you can make it where not a lot of the backs. I like, yeah, once again, yeah, I completely agree with your points. Like, they can take any avenues they want to. Like, they can go the the kind of more obvious multiverse route, which I prefer than than not do. Uh, I mean, these characters are kind of they've been kind of intertwined and like working in the background, even though they've only had mentions of the Avengers or like the incident, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can still be in there, um, and it completely makes sense. Um, somebody brought up a good point. In, like, a video I was watching. Like, maybe now that Spider Man's actually a neighborhood Spider Man and nobody knows him, sure, maybe has more connection with Matt Murdock. Maybe they. You know, Matt Murdock mentions to him like, "Hey, there's this guy in the neighborhood. His name's Kingpin, and he's he's like no one to be trifled with. Like, you could help me out, like fight this guy, or like." Well, or he started would, out as a Spider-Man villain too. You would think you would think with being a you know a, a neighborhood kid you know, in Queens, he would hear of all the stories that are going. So that's a good. I didn't think about that, but you so you wouldn't necessarily need the introduction. Here's that Kingpin guy because he would know Kingpin, right? Because he's he's already there. Yeah. Right? Or like, like you could drop hints of him because like certain people know of him, people that work within those, you know, Ronan obviously knew who he was because uh, that's that's where he works. He's street level. So like now that he's a street level guy, you know, he hears about, you know, Kingpin. Yeah, I right. think it's a good way to kind of intertwine these characters. Yeah, I think that I think that would work really well as well. Yeah. I'm um, totally down for a Heroes for Hire like show. They do it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I would probably bring in the person that was running Luke Cage for that. I would. Um, I feel like he has a respect for the material. Like he knows what's going on. He knows how. To well, because he had the he at least was overseeing the the Heroes for Hire episode. We yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um. Cool. No, I, I like that idea of like you can you could use you could use Spider Man, especially since now he's a nobody. Uh, so yeah. Huh. It's just uh, he's just fighting crime in his jammy jams, his pajamas now. Yeah, that's and that's <laughs> that's just as easy and a lot less clunky than the multiverse rap. It means Spider-Man's going to go on some small adventures for a bit, but that's okay. He doesn't need to have grand epic things. It's more like a kind of Tobey Maguire-esque type exploits where he's just like downtrodden down on his luck. Nobody knows him. Nice. Well, there's a couple ideas of what they could do in the future. I mean, at least we know that they haven't have plans on using Charlie Cox um, and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, great choices. To, um, I, I hope they keep more. Uh, I really hope they do, especially because like I feel like Jessica Jones is just too good, um, especially with the way that first he's to just completely abandon. Same with um, he's just too good of a character to abandon. And I don't think a reboot is the is the best because the actors Kristen Ritter and Mike Coulter they're great. Yeah, uh, cool. So we'll see we'll see what happens. I'm sure um, now that uh, now that Spider Man has uh, is hitting hitting shelves and more projects are going to be announced soon. Like I'm sure um, I'm sure we'll hear some news soon, especially now that 
Disney has the right. Um, we'll see. I don't know. May, maybe Moon... I, I haven't seen any episodes of Moon Knight yet, but maybe they'll try to use Moon Knight as the start of a conduit. I don't know. Um, but they've got to do something. And they've known that they're getting the rights back for a while, so... I'm, uh, I'm really digging I, Moon Knight so far. It, it's a, it, it makes you forget that it's a Marvel property in a good way. That's the best way to say it. Okay. Sometimes I'm just thinking I'm watching like a psychological kind of memento thriller, but there just happens to be a comic book character in it. Good. I'm excited. Um, all right. So that just leaves us with this spinoff. Joe, what's that one thing in any era of pop culture that you really want to tell everybody to uh, check out or to stay away from? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you've listened to the show a few times, you know, I'm a big fan of anime. Um, and uh, these are two shows that are on Netflix, like readily available. Uh, one is uh, Therme Rome Nove that recently came out. It's a fun little like time travel. Um, this, this guy from ancient Rome, who's a uh, he, uh, Bill's Bath. Uh, goes into the future in Japan and like picks up certain quirks or certain things they do in Japan bath culture and brings it to ancient Rome. It's just a fun little show. Um, I think it's like 10 episodes. Easy watch. Um, and High Square Girl, which is uh, takes place during the 90s. It's kind of a, like a romantic comedy anime. Uh, it's during the heyday of like arcades, like the pinnacle of arcades in the 90s in Japan. So um, great little show there too. Those are two things I'd recommend. Cool. Um, I haven't gotten to see a lot of things recently um uh, but i did a couple things for patreon uh oh actually no let's do this because i did watch this um because i did a couple patreon reviews but i want to leave those kind of for that so turning red and hugo um were both recently martin score hugo i talked about both so um but i watched flea um the the oscar nominated for best animated best international feature and best documentary um so i watched that recently um because i like to watch documentaries at the gym um so i watched it over the course of it's about an hour and a half it's on hulu um it is a foreign language um so i watched the dub version um sorry i'm almost always subs over dubs but if it's it's a documentary and i was at the gym so i wanted to not necessarily focus and be concentrated on the screen um i still had subtitles on for what it's worth but uh flea uh is really good well worth the best uh documentary nomination um i haven't seen summer of soul yet um so i'm I'm excited to since that was the actual winner um but i saw attic like attica was would have been my pick because attica's it but but flea is really great flea's on hulu uh there's an english dub and a subtitled version um the original is the subtitled um uh the the story is it's an animated documentary but the story is a there's lots of different locations but it's essentially a person fleeing um several different countries but primarily uh like uh i want to say israel uh, or somewhere around there. I know he. I know there's Russia at one point. I don't. I just probably want to start stop talking because I can't get the timeline in my head, and I don't want to say anything wrong. But it's about somebody who's fleeing from a country at a young age, uh, who also happens to be homosexual. But that doesn't play. In, or it plays in, but it's not the reason why they flee. Um, but it's it's a really well made document. I really liked it. So you should check it out. Uh, but that'll do it. That's a wrap. Uh, so quick reminder, Civ Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Uh, and if you want to check, uh, help support the show, um, do that at Patreon, patreon.com popwr. You can send us a question to explore for the B-plot. We'd love to, to answer your question on the show. Um, that'll be uh, writersroom at sifpop.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at schweitcastle. Uh, next week uh, is a TV catch-up, so I'll be talking TV with Jacob and Jonathan. I'm sure one of the three of us will be watching Moon Knight. Um, probably not me um, at that point, so probably more Moon Knight talk um, and other TV that is on. Uh, 
And uh, next month, when Joe's back, I'll have a special episode for us because it'll be episode 100. Um, and that's that's exciting. So um, I've got some ideas that I'm kicking around. I'm just uh, trying to get it finalized. But I'm thinking of doing it kind of like a like a game show episode. Um, so uh, so that's what we're going for. And um, yeah, should be a good time. So we'll see you back next month for TV. We'll see you back next uh, or next week for TV next month uh, for the special hundredth episode. But uh, thanks for joining me, Joe. As always, lo- love having you on, man. Yeah, always a pleasure. Sweet. Uh, well, we'll see you back in a month. Yep. See you guys. See y'all in a month.